get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. everyone and welcome to the last Carriker and Smallman show of 2020. It's 7 o'clock your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. Great to have you with us. Michelle, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm having conflicting feelings about this because while I love working with you and I love getting to do the show every day, I'm ready for 2020 to be over. <laughs> hey, and we all have our gripes about 2020 and that's going to be part of the theme of the show today because we all like to gripe a little bit, right? Oh, we live to complain. What do you think social media exists for, Randy? <laughs> so we want to hear from you, and we're going to dedicate a segment to you at 730. What is your primary gripe from a sports standpoint or other about 2020? What really got your goat about 2020? And you can text us, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. You can also leave us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on 101 ESPN with the 101 ESPN app. And, of course, you can always text Michelle or I, Michelle, at M. Smallman. Oh, I thought you were going to get my uh, number there. Uh, right I'm sorry. No, oh, tweet, tweet like, us. Don't. Tweet us at M. Smallman. <laughs> uh, or catch us on Instagram. Or you can tweet us, uh, tweet me, at Randy Character. And we have a lot coming your way. We're going to talk to our old friend Ivan Mazel about college football and the national championship and the final four coming up this weekend. And Greg Amsinger is going to join us at the back end of this hour as well. We couldn't close out the year without a visit with Greg Amsinger. Got to do it. Got to do it. Especially with everything that's going on. The Cubs officially announcing the trade of Blake Snell. Uh, obviously, the U Darvish thing is going down, and now the the Padres announced those to Snell and and Darvish. The Cubs are now, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, actively shopping Wilson Contreras as their teardown continues. I was going to say, so are we looking at a full tank and reboot here? Salary dumps left and right. Yeah, I guess so. And they'll find a way to get rid of the uh, the third baseman, Chris Bryant. The amazing thing, Michelle, is when they move Darvish, they got Davies. The four players, the four minor leaguers they got back, none of them have played a professional baseball game yet. They're all very young. Yeah. So they are in tank mode for the foreseeable future, it looks like, which is fine. I've been reading. They're used to it. Yeah, well, I've been reading a lot coming out of Chicago, and people are just disgusted by what's happening with the Cubs. People are saying, you know, we dealt with this for years while you constructed a team that, yes, ultimately had the Cubs win a World Series, but four years later, and you're already doing a complete teardown, and they were saying you jacked up all the prices for fans to go to the ballpark, and you rationalized it as, hey, this is part of what we need to do to make sure that we can build the team that we want to do. And you're letting a lot of people in Chicago down by by trading yeah. your best asset. That dynasty did not last long. It did not. And Cubs fans are very upset about it, and as they should be. Meanwhile, Wilson Contreras' availability, apparent availability, will have an effect not only on JT Real Muto, because Contreras is controlled in terms of money, but it'll also have an effect because supply and demand is at play here mm-hmm. on Yadier Molina. So more options potentially shrinking for Yadi. 
Yeah. With Contreras scheduled to make in arbitration about $6.2 million. And if you're, if Philadelphia, for example, would lose Real Muto, would they try to trade for him? I would think that Dave Dombrowski would. If the Nationals would lose out on Real Muto, he'd mm-hmm. go back to Philly. I would think Washington would be interested in Contreras. I would think any team interested in a catcher that's willing to spend money this offseason would be interested in him ahead of Yachty. Because even if the money is the same, $6.2 million, you take Contreras over Yadi Molina at the stage of their careers. He's 28 years old. Yeah. So I would think that this, this is not a good thing for Yadier Molina. College basketball, Mizzou will host number seven, Tennessee tonight. Missouri 12th in the country. Both teams are 6-0. and And that'll take place at Mizzou Arena. The Billikens home to Duquesne as they open their A-10 schedule. The Bills are 7-1. and one. Duquesne, one of the teams among many nationally that have been hit hard by COVID. They've only played two games. They're 1-1. One one. So Slew will feast on them? Yes, they should. <laughs> That's what we're saying. And we got an email last night from the athletic director at SLU, Chris May, who said that the Billikens are going to start allowing, after much conversation with the city of St. Louis, they're going to start allowing fans into Shea Fitz Arena. It's going to start with family members of the players and staff from St. Louis University. And then as the season goes along, more and more people will be allowed into Shea Fitz Arena. And I would think, Michelle, that would have an effect on the Blues. I, have to be- I know the Blues have been talking to the city about getting people into Enterprise Center. And I would think as we head towards either April or May, that'll affect the Cardinals. I would think that we're going to have an opportunity for at least some fans of our teams to get back into their buildings. It's great news from a fan perspective because we're one step closer to normalcy. If you, you let some in, eventually, if things are successful, that number will grow. But I wonder how this is going to affect the players, Randy, even though they've played th- their entire careers up until this point with fans in the stands. Once you get the season going and you experience an empty arena, mm-hmm. you get kind of used to, to the environment and what you're dealt. I wonder what it's going to be like for the Blues who had been in a bubble to all of a sudden come back and have fans. Even if it's a sparse amount of fans, it's something that you notice. It definitely provides energy and it was interesting during the playoffs and World Series last year in baseball and during some of the football games where they've only had 12,000 people, how the players talked about how loud it gets even when you only have 12,000 people. Well, think about during the World Series, what a difference it was when we could hear people cheering. It was a huge difference. One college football note, an anonymous donor has given $10 million to Mizzou for a new indoor football practice facility. Their indoor facility has a 70-yard field. They want a full-size field. They're the only team in the SEC without a full-size indoor facility. And, of course, the northernmost team in the SEC, so they want to have their facilities up to par with the rest of the conference. And so this anonymous donor has provided $10 million to help facilitate financing that facility. Well, and I just want to thank this anonymous donor, Randy, for listening to our show, because clearly what <laughs> happened is that this anonymous donor was tuned into Carriker and Smallman yesterday. They heard former Mizzou head football coach Gary Pinkle campaigning for this indoor facility, saying how crucial it was for Mizzou to have this to be able to compete with these other SEC schools from a recruiting standpoint. And boom, there you go. It, it is delivered to Mizzou just yes, just after we spoke to Gary yesterday. It's the power of Carriker and Smallman <laughs> on 101 right. ESPN. That's right. So any other people out there who are involved in sports that may want something to happen, just come on our show. Yeah, M-I-Z. The line, I need somebody to come on.
By the way, we we had Brett Bielma on last week. I heard. He's great. I need to go back and listen to the interview. Yeah, I'm a fan. Okay, Michelle, 2020 did not bring us an awful lot of pleasure in the sports world or otherwise. And it was obviously devastating. It was catastrophic. It was tragic for many people and families. From my standpoint, and I live in my own little sheltered world, my biggest thing was from March until basically July having zero sports. That's not how I roll. I need sports to, to watch, to pay attention to, to consume. And that was, all due respect to my family and the show Tiger King, that was miserable. All due respect to Joe Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> he did not provide no. you the entertainment you needed. That was a primary gripe of mine in 2020. That I would say that one and not being able to exercise indoors. Those are my are my two big gripes at a gym. Not being able yeah. to, to go to a gym for me, 2020, was miserable. Oh, absolutely. See, I'm glad we're doing this, Randy, because what we're doing is we're airing this out now. We're leaving all these bad things that happened in 2020. And once the calendar turns to 2021, it's a new day. People yeah. are getting vaccinated. As we just mentioned, fans are getting back in the stands. So we need to carry positive energy into the new year. So I like this. So for me, it's twofold. First and foremost, the thing that I will always mourn in 2020 is the loss of our St. Louis Battlehawks. I obviously had a unique situation and the fact that I was working with the team, I got the opportunity to do the interviews on the field, which is amazing. But from my vantage point, I truly could see every part of the stadium while I was on the field. And to be able to walk around and see the true passion that the fans here in St. Louis had for this brand new team mm-hmm. that they should have had no emotional connection to in a league that they had no real faith in the fact that it was going to be able to be around for a long time. The way the city embraced the Battlehawks, the way the Battlehawks embraced the city, it was love at first sight, and it will always be a heartbreak of mine that because of the pandemic, the XFL folded and we lost our Battlehawks. Yeah, that was another bothersome part of this because we looked forward to it for years. For a couple of years, we were excited about the Battlehawks, and for them to only play two home games, really frustrating. And right before the L.A. game, Yeah, we would have had... Well over 40,000 people at that one. They had opened up the other tier. It was going to be unbelievable. But we're leaving that negativity behind, Randy. And in 2021, we're saying, hey, we're smelling what the rock is cooking and the Battlehawks are coming back, you know? (laughs) So get it out now, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And, of course, you can send us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. This from the 636-2020, totaled my car, had to move cities twice, girlfriend dumped me, and was furloughed from my job. Your gripe is much greater and more serious than mine. (laughs) What? That's worse or anything? You not being able to watch sports for a few months? Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? Bad things happen in threes, and he got four or five there, so it's only positive from here on out. I would say only up from here. This is how bad the year was. I would say that getting dumped by the girlfriend would be number four in my power rankings there. I would say getting furloughed from the job would be one. Okay. Totaling the car would be two. Having to move, moving is miserable. I was going to say that's number one for me. Is moving it? not once, but twice. Yeah. And he's not just moving apartments or moving houses in, in a local area where maybe your buddy's going to mm-hmm. come help you move the couch in exchange for beer. You're moving cities twice. That's definitely got to be. And as somebody that had to move cities, 
things get broken, you're dealing with the moving companies, they never want to call you back, you're you're waiting on deliveries, it's the worst. So that is pretty rough. So we're happy for you that 2020 is over from 636. Yeah, when the girlfriend dumps you, you're just like, whatever, at, the, at this point, whatever. <laughs> right. This weekend, we've got college football's playoff. You've got the final four. Ivan Mazel is going to tell us who he thinks is going to play in the championship game next on 101 ESPN. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. When you volunteer with DLN's Donated Dental Services Program to C1, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat, or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will you see one? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. Most of us are going to be spending the holiday at home, and you can celebrate New Year's by starting off at Schnucks. That's what we're doing in the Carriker household, that shrimp cocktail for the New Year's celebration. It is going to be perfect, and we're going to get it from the seafood department at Schnucks. All of the great desserts in the bakery, the best bakery in town at Schnucks are fantastic. If you want to grill up some fabulous steaks on Saturday on New Year's Day, head on over to the butchers at Schnucks. And of course, at our house, we have uh, an ice cream Sunday party, so we've already got all all the ice cream, we've got all, all the toppings, and Schnooks has their own ice cream, their own fabulous brand with 19 different flavors, and it is absolutely delicious. And it's it's not something that they call a frozen dessert. This is real ice cream, and it is fantastic. So as you plan your own home holiday party and get ready for 2021, make sure you stop by Schnooks. And on top of the great low prices that you get every day at Schnooks, save more money by downloading the Schnooks Rewards app. Get ready for a better year. Get ready for a great 2021 and start it at schnooks we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn many years, Ivan Mazel has been one of the great college football reporters, one of the great college football insiders. And as we approach the college football playoff this weekend, Ivan Mazel, kind enough to join us on Carriker and Smallman via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Ivan with Michelle Smallman. This is Randy Carriker. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. Happy New Year. Oh, thanks. Happy to do it. Well, let's start with the playoff this weekend. Alabama, a big favorite. Clemson, a big favorite. Seven and a half points. Could you envision an upset in either of these two games? Oh, uh, you know, a boy can dream, right? I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I don't think Notre Dame has the – well, nobody's been able to slow down the Alabama offense. You know, a couple of teams almost could score with them, but but I think this is a once-in-a-generation offense. Uh, so, you know, I don't expect that game to be Notre Dame to, to find an answer. Uh, that nobody else has been able to find. You know, Clemson, Ohio State's a little more interesting just because, you know, how do you gauge where Ohio State is, uh, you know, as a team? If you think six years ago when Ohio State won everything, 
uh, you know, six games into the season, they weren't that good. You know, they had lost to Virginia Tech early in the year, and they were just sort of scuffling along, and then all of a sudden they found the answers. So uh, how do you measure that against a Clemson team that has weathered a lot of COVID storms and, and seems to have come out the other side? It's a young team, especially at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I don't know that Ohio State winning would be an upset or, or certainly a big upset. But uh, it, it, uh, I think that game's a, a little more interesting, and, and I'm looking forward to that one a little more competitively. So, Ivan, if we do get yet another iteration of Alabama-Clemson for the national championship game, which team do you think has the edge there? Well, I think Alabama does. I mean, uh, when was the last time, and, and I'm sure it's happened relatively recently, but uh, – I think they had five players on the on America team on offense alone. I mean, when does that happen? You know, the, the entire Pac-12 conference had one All-American player this year. Alabama had six, <laughs> five of them on offense. Uh, you know, you, you've got a, uh, uh, a player in Devontae Smith that's probably the Heisman favorite that's just been able to change games as a wide receiver, which is really unusual uh, in the NFL quality running back in Najee Harris. Uh, Mac Jones has been a, a revelation as a as the guy who, you know, he's an old school model of a quarterback. He, he waited his turn. I mean, when was the last time that happened? You know, that, that's going back to the 80s and 90s. Uh, but he waited his turn behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa, and he's, his numbers have been astounding. So uh, it, it's really uh, and two All-Americans on the offensive line uh, one of whom won't play Landon Dickerson, the center, because of injury. But nonetheless, this this offense has been incredible, and I I just uh, I think Clemson being young on, at the line of scrimmage, I think that would be the the telling difference. Ivan Mazel with us on 101 ESPN, and you mentioned Ivan uh, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle early in the season was Devonte Smith yeah. before Waddle got hurt. You look at who they've turned out though, and for all of our talk, and it's legitimate about Nick Nick Saban and the great defenses he's had over the years. Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Waddle, and Devonte Smith. There's nobody that does a better job of producing offensive players and specifically wide receivers than Alabama. So for all of the defensive talk, what he said earlier in the year was really on point, wasn't it, when he said it's offense that wins championships now? Well, it is. And and what's amazing about that to me is that Nick Saban is a defensive coach, and he's particularly specifically as a secondary coach. And yet he's turned out this incredible string of wide receivers. You know, I don't know that anybody was ever wide receiver you at any point. I don't remember that phrase, but it, it, you know that list you just gave. I mean, when, it, that was the sort of a joke uh, when Jalen Waddle went down with an injury or, you know, in midseason. You know, oh well, gee, Alabama's down to two world class wide receivers. You know, how will they ever survive? You know, so, uh, and John Mechie is the next one, and he's a freshman and has had an incredible year. So it's. It's really been a uh, – the story of Alabama's dominance under Nick Saban has been the uh, – has been his ability to continue to appeal to recruits and not just regionally but nationally. You know, I, I, there's, there's, there's a fascinating tale there of, you know, Alabama going – when Texas A&M came into the, the conference, you know, 
that door worked both in both directions. Alabama went into Texas and, and has recruited really well. Najee Harris is from the Bay Area in San Francisco, you know, across the East Bay from San Francisco. So uh, it, it's a remarkable uh, his remarkable ability to continue to bring in talent is the story of his dominance. Mm-hmm. Ivan, I want to ask you about another coach and Jim Harbaugh. Last night, I, I Googled him just to see what the latest rumors were uh, regarding his future with Michigan. And I got three different headlines. Jim Harbaugh extension <laughs> is reportedly a done deal. Jim Harbaugh, the odds on favorite to be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. And it sure seems like the marriage is over between Harbaugh and Michigan. So if you had to handicap it, which one of these headlines do you think is closer to the truth? What do you think is going to happen with Jim Harbaugh and his future at Michigan? I think those are all true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to think he will stay. Uh, you know, he has done. Uh, well, let's put it this way. I mean, that that program was was just adrift when he got there, and he has. Uh, it's a good program now. It's not a great program, but they've done very well. They just haven't beaten. Ohio State and Michigan State, and plenty of coaches have been run off for not beating their biggest rival. But I think in a case where this is a, you know, this is a guy who came home, this was the favorite son who came home, uh, those kids are, are going to class and graduating. I mean, all the other stuff except beating Ohio State and Michigan State, he's accomplished. And given his pedigree, I just don't think. Uh, Ward Manuel and the Michigan administration is going to pull the trigger. Now, he may decide he's done and escape to the NFL, but that's uh, that's also not like – it is like him to leave after four or five years because he's done it everywhere he's been. But I think competitively, I don't think he would give up. And, 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 it's, and it's home to him, and I think that will count for something as well. Ivan, I thought it was interesting, and it gave me a hint. I don't know if it's accurate or not. When they fired Don Brown and paid him up a million seven to go away, uh, it doesn't seem like if you were not going to keep Jim Harbaugh that you just fired Don Brown before you get rid of everybody else. Well, and that's a great point. Uh, that's a that's a terrific point. And and you know what's interesting about that is that Don Brown was for many years the guy whose defense, you know, who had a defense that define things and when offense got ahead of him he he has not adjusted and uh you know maybe you can accuse jim harbaugh of excessive loyalty to don brown that were you know um i was certainly captivated by don brown i thought he had all the answers clearly he 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 has not for the last couple of years so uh the fact that they did send him on his way, I think, you know, that's a great point, you know, that he's going on and the hardball is still there. Ivan, before we let you go, I need to ask you about my alma mater, the University of Illinois. I was very excited when they hired Lovey Smith to be the head football coach there, and it obviously didn't work out. But where should my excitement level or my expectation level be for Brett Bielma? Do you think that he was the right hire for Illinois? Uh, I think he was a smart hire. Uh, if I can use that word, uh, you know, the right hire means that he'll succeed. And, and, you know, who has succeeded at Illinois 
you know, I, I've only been on this beat since 1987, so it's hard, you know. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, Ivan. Yeah, I hate to put it so bluntly, but, you know, it, it, it's a tough place uh, to win at a high level. Uh, Brett Bielema has done that uh, at Wisconsin. He's done it in that conference. He knows how to recruit the Chicago area. I think all those are pluses. And Wisconsin, before Barry Alvarez got there in 1990, Wisconsin was Illinois. You know, it was a team that sometimes had success, but more often did not. So it's possible to execute that turnaround. Um, And I don't know, I can't think of anybody else who would have the pedigree to do it, uh, you know, than Brett Bielema. But I'm not going to tell you he's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. But, but you mentioned that Illinois was a tough place to win consistently at a high level. Why is that? Because when I look at Illinois athletics, I think that it has the makings to be a program that competes every year in the Big Ten consistently. But it just seems like from a football standpoint, they can't get it done. And I'm wondering, as somebody who's covered college football for a really long time, if you have any insight as to why that is. Well, so much of of winning consistently in college football is culture and tradition. And Illinois certainly has tradition, but for some reason the culture has not developed. And, you know, I think part of it is its presence in the Chicago area. It may be the state university, but there are other big football schools that are closer to Chicago than Champaign-Urbana. You know, uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, uh, you know, so that's, you know, I think that could be at play uh, for some reason, you know, they're relatively close to St. Louis and they haven't really, you know, established themselves in what is a talent rich area of St. Louis in, in that sort of, this is our, you know, we're going to build a fence around this place. You know, Illinois hasn't built any fences around anywhere and, and until somebody can figure out how to do that, then they're going to continue to struggle. Ivan Mazel, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for the insight and the input today. Happy New Year, and in 2021, hopefully it'll be a better year, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Ivan Mazel with us on 101 ESPN, one of the great insiders in college football, one of the great college football reporters, and like he said, he's been doing it since 1987. And he's exactly right about Illinois, because when you go to Chicago, it's not an Illinois city. It's a Big Ten city. There is mm-hmm. people that identify Ohio State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, some Illinois. And Notre Dame. And, and big time Notre Dame. So it is hard to really get a foothold in that area when it's not a true Illinois city. You're not just recruiting in the state there. And one of the problems that schools like Illinois and Mizzou have, and he talked about the tradition at Illinois, which is similar to the, to the tradition at Mizzou. But I said this about the Big 12 when Missouri was chasing Texas. Those schools literally have a 100-year head start on schools like Mizzou and Illinois in college, quality college football, 100, mm-hmm. a whole century. Right. And it's really hard to, to catch up and even get close when you're, you're that far behind. Like I told Gary Pinkle, we told him yesterday, and he, he knows this, he coached at Mizzou, they're never going to be able to recruit the type of athletes that Alabama does. They're, they're never going to go to San Francisco and compete for a Najee Harris and win against Alabama for that player. Right. Same thing with Illinois. You mentioned Notre Dame. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine how many kids, even now, well, Notre Dame's good again, but even when Notre Dame had down years, the rich tradition and the, the legend. 
playing at Notre Dame is always something that you can fall back on, even when the the program has down years. And a lot of this, uh, a lot of uh, what we're talking about can certainly be attributed to what a bad year 2020 was. Oh, the worst. And (laughs) we want to hear from you. Use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. You can also send us a text, 65780. You can tweet Michelle at M. Smallman and tweet me at Randy Carricker. And we want to hear from you what your biggest gripe of 2020 was. doesn't have to be a sports gripe. We appreciate that. But whatever your biggest gripe of 2020 was, you get a chance to voice it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And early in 2020, February 12th to be exact, in a game in Anaheim that the Blues were playing, Jay Bomeister collapsed oh. and had a heart issue and terrified all of us and had to retire from hockey. And under ordinary circumstances, you'd say, man, that's the worst thing that happened in 2020. But he's fine. He's living in Edmonton. He's, he's doing well. But you'd still say, man, that was really bad. There was so much worse in 2020. (laughs) I mean, that was just the start of things on February 12th. Just wait a month. I know. At that point, you were certainly concerned about Bo's health and hoping that he was going to be okay. But then you were thinking about the Blues are rolling. They have a really great chance to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. Bo was such a presence for them on and off the ice. He provided such a steady leadership for them. And you're thinking, how is this going to impact the Blues' chances to repeat as Stanley Cup champions? And we had no idea that when they finally did go to repeat as Stanley Cup champions, they'd be in a bubble. They'd be away from St. Louis. There'd be no fans. They wouldn't have the same energy and electricity that they had the year before. We had no idea what was to come. And that was from the 636. It's not a gripe, but losing Bo in the manner they did only underlined 2020 as the year of suck. This from the 314. March without the madness and April without the azaleas is my biggest gripe. The Masters in November just ain't the same. And I am with you on losing March Madness because it's one of the best sporting events of the year, if not the best sporting event of the year. And Illinois basketball, we had waited a long time for an Illinois basketball team that would be in the tournament and could make some noise and and be a disruptive team. And I will always lament the fact that they didn't get that chance. And the thing was, with that, we were so close. We were still a couple of weeks away from baseball, two and a half, three weeks. Uh, we, We were well into the hockey and NBA seasons. And spring football was going to get started. But those games were canceled. March Madness games were canceled on day. Well, tournament games were canceled on day of. And that's when everything went to hell. That's And and at that point, I was thinking, there's no way they could cancel March Madness. It's such a revenue generator. Yeah, right. oh, we always followed the money. There's no way they're going to push Mar- March Madness back. But well, boy, was I wrong. Let's get a mic drop. This is Steve on 101 ESPN. My biggest gripe from 2020 is that the Blues were robbed of another chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. They were poised to to make another run, playing better than anyone in the league, and then the pandemic hit, and they had to take a, a basically more than an offseason, and it got them out of their rhythm. And I truly believe that if things had been allowed to continue, they would have won a cup. Agreed, Steve. They were rolling. I believe that as well. And being in that environment, away from their families, not having the 
energy that they had at Enterprise Center the year before, all that affected these guys Mm -hmm. big time. And it affected some teams and some players more than others. But I remember heading into that, too. We said, this is such a tight-knit Blues team. This is a team that is going to be able to go into a situation like that and persevere. We we thought that even given the circumstances that they would have no problems in the bubble, and they did. Yeah. From the 314, my biggest gripe of 2020 was not being able to celebrate celebrate my graduation from Lindenwood University. Oh, yeah, that's and a bad one. And we feel your pain at the Carriker household. My daughter didn't get an opportunity to graduate from college. And unlike me, she was really looking forward to it. She had put so much work into being a great student at Bradley and was really looking forward to walking through that line. And just last weekend or two weekends ago, they had a virtual graduation where they put everybody's picture up on a computer screen. Not the same. So I can totally feel your pain from the 314. Yeah, all all of the high school students and college students that didn't get that moment, all the parents that had contributed to their child's academic success and want that moment to celebrate that didn't get that is really rough. That's a really rough part of this past year. From the 618, no Cardinal opening day, the biggest holiday in St. Louis, and it didn't happen. That is such a good one. Because we were down there that Mm -hmm. day. We were fortunate enough to broadcast from Ballpark Village. When they finally did have it. When they finally did have the the opening day, air quotes, and it was an eerie experience. That was something I'll never forget because our texture is right. It's a holiday here in St. Louis. The city shuts down when we have the Cardinal home opener. And to be down there, to not have anybody around the streets of downtown, to have no fans outside the stadium, because normally you get down there first thing in the morning and people are ready to Mm -hmm. go. It was it was a great day because we were excited. We were finally going to have some Cardinal baseball, but it was weird. It was a really weird day. We have another mic drop for you here on 101 ESPN. Hey, good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Love your show. Hate 2020. <laughs> I think my biggest gripe so far this year has been that I was not able to take my twins, who are two years old, to their first Cardinal game. But here's looking at 2021. Yeah, definitely. There's nothing like taking your kid to their first Cardinal game. Oh, man. And that'll be so much fun with twins. Absolutely. But we're trying to look at things positively. We're leaving all of this trash in 2020. We're we're spinning it forward to 2021. That was always going to be a special moment, bringing your twins to their first Cardinal mm-hmm. game. But you're going to appreciate it and savor it that much more when you finally get the opportunity. right. right. And we'll invite your mic drops throughout the course of the morning. We're going to have more text throughout the course of the morning. Weave this in. Your biggest gripe about 2020. Here's from the 636. I said it didn't have to be about sports, right? My biggest gripe is the handling of the stimulus package by our government. A lot of people angry with that. Yeah. So, hey, why not? If you if you got a gripe, send it in to the text line 65780. Next up, though, we're going to talk to our friend Greg Amzinger for the final time in 2020. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Happy New Year to our friend, the great Greg Amzinger, product of the Lindenwood University, a native of St. Louis, lead anchor at MLB Network. And he's with us now from his basement. Good morning, sir. <laughs> yes, I, I'm in my I'm in my dungeon is what I like to call this place. It's where I get away from the world, you know, and uh, it's a little loud upstairs. So I needed some silence. I need to focus on a very serious segment that I do each and every week with you guys. Yeah, very serious. 
<laughs> Craig, is there celebrating upstairs because this terrible year is almost over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's been really, really awful, Michelle. Uh, miss you, by the way. I uh, hope you had a good time while you're gone. I, 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 uh, I just can't wait for 2021. So many different ways, but from, based on what I do for a living. I really want to see a full baseball season. Uh, not sure if that's going to happen, but uh, it's going to be more than 60 games, I can tell you that. And that makes 2021 already so much better than the year that sucked, which is what my 10-year-old son one day, and he got in trouble. He got in trouble for saying that. But, <laughs> but you kind of laughed and said, yeah, you're, and it's you're wrong. It's true. <laughs> right. I, I prefer if you use different language, London. Can you please use different language? That's what we said. Well, Greg, one fan base that might not be looking forward to 2021 is the Chicago Cubs. After they move you, Darvish, there's talk of shopping Wilson Contreras. What do you make of the Cubs essentially doing this massive salary dump? Are they tanking again or what? Uh, for the first time ever, Michelle, uh, entire division is tanking. <laughs> uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, we're, we're getting to New Year's in the winter, and every single team is selling. I've never seen it. No one's adding anyone. It, it, it's the weirdest thing ever. John Mozeliak is sitting on Mr. DeWitt's wallet going, I don't think I need to crack this open. Mm-hmm. You guys are letting us win this. As it stands right now with the Cardinals' rotation without Adam Wainwright, without Adam Wainwright, you can put Gomber in the, in the rotation, and the Cardinals' bullpen with Hicks coming back and Alex Reyes and you know Gallegos and Miller and throw all these guys in there. You look at the Cardinals' bullpen and the rotation, and you would have to say with all the subtractions in the division, including what's going on with the Cubs, the Cardinals would have to be the favorite in the NL Central. So if that's the case, what motivates John Mozeliak to go do anything? It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, especially when the Dodgers are acting like they've got something to prove. that They keep adding players, making deals, bolstering their bullpen with Knable and Canely. The Padres are taking over the world. Uh, the NL East is the best division in baseball. They're all spending money, prepared to spend more money. It, when everyone in a division is acting like the Marlins, oh, wait a minute, the Marlins haven't gotten rid of anybody. So the, <laughs> the Marlins are even in it more than the NL Central. It's the weirdest thing ever. Uh, Jed Hoyer is getting pressure from the Ricketts family to shed payroll. I think that was one of the reasons why Theo Epstein bounced. He's like, I've done too much in my career. I don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, is the, this is the beginning of a process. You're going to see other players get moved from the Cubs. Greg, with all due respect to Atlanta and maybe Washington, if they make a move or two, is there another team in the National League besides the Padres or the Dodgers that could logically represent the league in the World Series? Unless there's the the postseason wackiness that we've seen with the Cardinals. But in terms of being favorites, aren't aren't the Dodgers and the Padres miles ahead of everybody else right now? Uh, Without a doubt, without a doubt. If the Philadelphia Phillies invest in the bullpen, uh, and they go Liam Hendricks, bringing Archie Bradley to go with Alvarado, who they acquired in the three-team deal uh, from the Tampa Bay Rays. And then maybe they do something crazy and they sign Yachty or Molina. Okay, let's say the Philadelphia Phillies, which I think they're, in diff- they're a new team in the mix for Yachty, by the way. Dave Dombrowski is win now. He's 64 years old. He doesn't need to do this. And he was comfortable in Nashville trying to get a team there. He's there with Joe Girardi. These guys aren't getting any younger, and they want to win right now. So I think Yachty 
is a possibility. He's a plan B if they choose not to spend, you know, close to $200 million to get JT Real Muto. They might just go Yachty and then invest in that bullpen. If they do that, I think they could compete with the Braves for the third spot. But you're right, Dodgers, Padres, and I'm sorry, I think I, I ranked it incorrectly, by the way. It just came out of my mouth. It's the Padres and it's the Dodgers. I, and it's just the way it is. That rotation with the X factor that fans do not recognize, which, who they don't know. Mackenzie Gore is my favorite. He's been my favorite minor league prospect for the last three years. He is such a unique talent, this left-handed pitching prospect. When he gets into the big leagues and, and all the moves they made, they would not part ways with him. And you're going to find out why in 2021. To have Snell, to have Darvish, to have Denelson Lamette, this kid's coming. Chris Paddock, who was the darling of that rotation, is an afterthought. The Padres are so much better than everyone else in the National League, including the Los Angeles Dodgers, with Mackenzie Gore about to emerge and Fernando Tatis Jr. ready to take off as the best player in baseball, which I had a conversation last night with Dan. Please talk about that. I'm sorry. It's not Mike Trout. It's not going to be Mike Trout anymore. It's going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. The Padres are the best team in the National League. Greg, I want to circle back one second to what you said about Yadier Molina. How many options do you think really exist for him on the table right now outside of the Cardinals? Yeah, I think the New York Yankees are a legitimate option. Hmm. They're, um, yeah, kicking the tires on this because, you know, they brought back Gary Sanchez. They offered him a, a contract, but they know that they're the best team in the AL East. What the Tampa Bay Rays are doing is what the Tampa Bay Rays always do. But yeah, you can't say, oh, you got to trust the process. Well, time on. The Yankees are loaded. So it's a fine line to trust the process and think you're going to win the division again over them. They're not going to. The Yankees are the best team in that division. But if they want to get over the hump and win the World Series, they're not doing it with Gary Sanchez behind the plate, putting the fingers down. They're just not. You put Yadier Molina behind the plate, and I think the Yankees win the World Series. I think the Bronx loses their mind for Yadier Molina to see his intensity, to see his instincts, to see his leadership. I think they are a team that is in the mix. Uh, I just mentioned the Philadelphia Phillies. I think the Angels are a possibility. I think the Chicago White Sox are a possibility. The Angels could be emerging even more uh, lately. Uh, This is a team that's really feeling the, the fire uh, to win. And everyone knows why. They got Mike Trout and they haven't been in the playoffs. They expanded the postseason, I think, to try to get Mike Trout into the postseason and it didn't work. You got, you got a highly paid manager, which doesn't exist anymore. They need someone back there leading the staff. So if I had to you know, pigeonhole the race for him outside of the St. Louis Cardinals, I would say it's the Yankees, it's the Angels, uh, the White Sox, and the Phillies. Um, the Mets no longer in the mix. They got James McCann, but those are the teams that I think he could go to, and all of those teams are trying to win right now. Greg, uh, first thing, uh, I, I got two things for you. Number one, where do you think he'll land, Molina? <sighs> I, you know, the, the longer this, this plays out, I don't think he's coming back. I, I don't think he's coming back to St. Louis. I hate saying that. I, I, this sounds weird. Uh, over the last couple of days, I think Yadier Molina sides with the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't think they're bringing back JT Real Muto. I think they knew they had a strength in the best division in baseball, which was their talent behind the plate. They know that having a 7.06 ERA as a bullpen, which was the worst in 90 years, 
needs to be drastically improved, they have to pour those resources into that wound, which is what they started yesterday with doing with Alvarado. They're going to land Liam Hendricks. They're going to add other arms. They're not going to be able to bring back JT Real Muto. They need someone. This team's ready to win right now. And Joe Girardi values catching as much as anyone. And he went through the struggles of Gary Sanchez, knocking his head on a brick wall. He knows how frustrating that is. He's always admired Yadier Molina. Dave Dombrowski is a guy that wants to win right now. He's ready to spend. They're going to go outside the analytical box, give him maybe a two-year deal. Nola, Wheeler, these guys are, are dominant. They need someone to throw to, revamp bullpen, someone who's got the instincts. I think now I, I would go with the Philadelphia Phillies landing out here, Melina. Very interesting. And then, because I do this, I, I need a why. Why is Fernando Tatis Jr. now a better player than Mike Trout? Well, talent-wise, he, he was better than Mike Trout uh, going into last year. He's the most physically gifted player in the sport. He's the LeBron James of Major League Baseball, uh, a 6'8 point guard that shoots threes and passes like Magic Johnson. That's just not fair. You know, and that, that's what that's what Fernando Tatis is. He's six four. He flies around the bases like Mike Trout used to do. Mike Trout, second year, forty nine bags, um, led all of baseball. That component made him by far the best player in the game with his power, with his on base, uh, and, and terrific defense. Covered a lot of ground. Never had the arm. It's not like it's a bad arm, but never had the arm that made you go, wow, it's like Mark Witten in center field. That was never the case with Mike Trout. Fernando Tatis Jr. has the arm of Sean Dunstan. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is by far the most dynamic base runner in the game. He, he is what Mike Trout was on the bases. Fernando Tatis Jr., offensively at the plate, is a young Alex Rodriguez. Now, this is... Uh, uh, young Alex Rodriguez, as if Alex Rodriguez had a dad that played in the big leagues and didn't use uh, you know, artificial or fake substances to get him there. So I, I, I just think we haven't seen the best of him. And from what we've already seen, he's amazing. So it, did he struggle a little bit at such a young age? Yeah. But is he the face of one of the best teams in baseball right now at a very young age? Yeah, Mike Trout was too. But the difference is this club understands that no matter how talented your player is, you've got to be able to pitch. And the Angels never got that. They thought C.J. Wilson was that answer back in the day. They never got it. This team does. He's going to be in the playoffs each and every year, which the, the common fan doesn't see Mike Trout in, in the playoffs. And everyone's going to jump on this bandwagon in a hurry because he's so talented. Great explanation. I'm going to take people behind the curtain. Last year at this time, last year even until the first part of March, I was planning on making a trip to New York, and Greg was going to take me to his golf club, and we were going to play golf in 2020. Then all hell broke loose, (laughs) and we we didn't get a chance to get together. But 2021 is the year that I make it up there, and we play golf at your club, and then I come and hang out at MLB Network. I mean, we've got to do it. It would be so much fun. Um, do you like to walk or do you like to ride? I got a walking bag for Christmas, Greg, so I'm going to get myself in walking shape. How about you? Well, I love walking. Um, well, you know, when you get over 40, it becomes old man workout. Mm-hmm. So I love yep. walking when I play golf. We have 36 holes, and they're all so they all begin and end at the clubhouse, and they all go down a mountain. You need to walk your way back up the mountain. It is so grueling, so fun. You'll love it. Um, what we'll, what we'll do is we'll get there early. We'll like have a drink 
and then we'll go play, and then we'll come back. Like maybe we'll shower up, clean up, put on a blazer, and then we'll sit around and, and we'll, we'll talk baseball. And what I'll try to do is get a fellow member we'll name drop here, fellow member at our club. We'll, we'll try to have dinner with Stephen Colbert. That will be oh, awesome. That would be fantastic. And, we'll, and that, yeah, yeah. I, I want to roll out the red carpet for Andy Carricker in the best way, and we'll try to figure it out. We'll do it. 2021 will be the year, my man. Hey, happy All new right. year to you and yours. And we we always appreciate you coming on. You always give us great stuff. You're the best. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Michelle, good to hear your voice again. Happy year. And uh, the next time you hear me in 2021, I'll be much better than I've been over the past years. I'll, I'll clean it up. You're fantastic. No, don't change. Don't go change it. Can't on get us. any better, Greg. Can't get any better. <laughs> it's like a yearbook. Don't change. I love that. <laughs> we'll see you, my man. Take care. See you guys. That's Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. So we have a new best player in baseball. And we have a new landing spot for Yadier Molina. How about that? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I, you know, the, the longer this this plays out, I don't think he's coming back. I, I don't think he's coming back to St. Louis. I hate saying that. I, I, this sounds weird. Uh, over the last couple of days, I, I think Yadier Molina signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. MLB Network's Greg Amzinger in our last segment here on 101 ESPN. So we've heard Yadi say, or not heard, but read that he said on Dominican radio, he, he talked about the Mets, who have signed James McCann, mm-hmm. the Yankees, who do have a catcher in Gary Sanchez, but might like to upgrade, the Padres, who now have three major league catchers, and the Angels, who have yet to do anything this offseason. As Greg mentioned, the Phillies have a new look in their front office, and they have a pitching staff that could use somebody with the expertise of Yadier Molina behind the plate. So all of a sudden... We talked about potentially a mystery team. I don't know if this qualifies as a mystery team, but this is certainly something Greg has very good explanation why this would be a good fit for Yachty. And if we had talked about him being painted into a corner and going back to the Cardinals on a deal he maybe wasn't satisfied with, all of a sudden this makes a lot of sense. Here is the that explanation that Greg gave us. They, they're not going to be able to bring back JT Real Muto. They need someone. They're, this team's ready to win right now. And Joe Girardi values catching as much as anyone and he went through the struggles of Gary Sanchez, knocking his head on a brick wall. He knows how frustrating that is. He's always admired Yadier Molina. Dave Dombrowski is a guy that wants to win right now. He's ready to spend. They're going to go outside the analytical box, give him maybe a two-year deal. Nola, Wheeler, these guys are, are dominant. They need someone to throw to, revamp bullpen, someone who's got the instincts. I think now I, I would go with the Philadelphia Phillies landing Yadier Molina. The Philly depth chart behind the plate right now, Andrew Knapp, Rafael Marcon, and Christian Betancourt, none of whom really inspire an awful lot of confidence when you have that rotation that Greg talked about. And that's the key. You want to nurture guys like Nola and Wheeler, and especially the kids like Zach Eflin and Vince Velasquez. You want to make them better, and one way to make guys better, as we've seen over the years with Yadier Molina, is by putting him behind the plate. Absolutely. He'd be able to guide that staff. He... He prepares for a game unlike anyone else. We know the intangibles that we talk about with the Adier Molina.
Molina would translate anywhere in Major League Baseball and make a staff better. And I think one of the things that Greg brought up in the Joe Girardi factor is crucial here. Here's a guy who who obviously was a catcher who knows everything that Yadier Molina does at a high level, even at this stage of the game, and would really value him. And that's so important. We hear, we hear Benji Molina on with the fast lane. And when he talked about Yadi, he kept bringing up the word value. And there's more to that than just a dollar figure. And if you're Yadier Molina, who's poured everything into the St. Louis Cardinals organization, and you feel in any way slighted by their offer, and all of a sudden the Phillies come along and they're willing to offer you even a comparable offer, but you have somebody in Joe Girardi who's a new face, a new voice, who understands what you bring to the game and is all of a sudden propping you up and telling you why you're going to be so valuable for this team, it does seem like it'd be something that would be enticing for him. Now, I will respectfully disagree with Greg on this point. There's no doubt that when you hire Dave Dombrowski and you brought in Girardi last year, you want to win now. I don't think that the Phillies are necessarily ready to win now. When you look at their lineup, if they would add Molina, they've got, obviously, Bryce Harper in right. He's a huge part of it. Roman Quinn in center, Adam Hazley in left. You, you really don't have much that you can count on. That's no better than what the Cardinals have in the outfield right now, at least in terms of what you can count on. Alex Bohm at third. At shortstop, Gene Segura, who had has had good years in the last couple of years and, and he's a legit player. Scott Kingery was a disaster last year. He's at second base. Reese Hoskins, who's been up and down and was injured last year. Uh, and then beyond those top four starters, you have Spencer Howard. He could go either way. And as Greg mentioned, the worst bullpen in 90 years last year. So while I think that they want to win now, I think they'd have to make a lot of moves to be able to say we're ready to win now. Yeah, and winning, clearly important to Yadier Molina. And even if the Cardinals, as Greg mentioned, don't make any moves, it seems like they're in a better position to win their division and enter the playoffs than the Phillies are right now. Now let's take a look at the the other options because, like Greg said, it doesn't seem like the Yankees are as all-in on Gary Sanchez as we thought when they picked up an option on him when they offered him arbitration. So you've got the Yankees, and if I, I still, Real Muto is going to land somewhere. Obviously, he's the best catcher in the game. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's Washington, maybe it's Anaheim, maybe that is a mystery team. But if I were in the shoes of Yadier Molina, even if, and especially if I haven't gotten a Cardinal offer yet, I might take a look at what the Phillies put on the table for me and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to go there because I know Dabrowski is going to do everything he can to win quickly. Yeah, it's that feeling of they're going to go for it. They're they're hungry to win. They're not going to stand pat and hope that things work out yeah. in their favor. They're going to be aggressive, which is certainly a mindset that Yadier Molina has. And I, I mentioned this during the break, Michelle, and I think it's accurate. I think if you gave John Mozeliak a truth serum, or just got him in an honest moment, he would probably say, we need to get Andrew Kisner at bats that aren't going to be there. They aren't going to be available if Yadier Molina isn't here. The big thing is for the Cardinals, he uses the word evaluation a lot for the outfielders, for example. One of the reasons the Cardinals aren't bringing in a left-handed hitting outfield player is because they want to take a look at the players that they have. I think that's the case behind the plate, too. I think that they want to take a look at Kisner before it's too late. He's 26. (laughs) How long are you going to go down the road with the other guy playing before you get a look at this guy? Whether he is good or bad, you don't know, but you want to find out. 
So we've looked at this typically through three different lenses, through the Cardinals lens, through Yadier Molina's lens, and through the fans' lens. And I've said all along, if we're looking at it through the Cardinals' lens, even though Yadi might be the best option right now, and even though he is an icon and he does bring so much to this team, the best option for them, if they truly do want to save money and evaluate the, the young players that they have on this team, might be for Yadi or Molina to pull an Albert Pujols and make the decision for them because they've offered him a deal. Whether he bulked at it or not, they made a move there. And if he chooses to leave, their hands are clean when it comes to the fan base they can say listen pandemic we didn't have the money we want to evaluate guys we certainly wanted to bring him back what's their language been about this all the time yadi and bueno a priority this offseason mm-hmm. a priority this offseason whether he wanted to accept it or not that all of a sudden the power is on him so if he chooses to go elsewhere for more money or what he perceives to be a better option for him that absolves the cardinals of some of the furor that they might get from a faction of the fan base right and Priority is a relative thing. Sure, they're a priority, but they're a priority in that we aren't going to pursue any other free agents. They're on our team. (laughs) Right. So we may make an offer. It might be ridiculous, but it's an offer. We didn't do that for Jock Peterson or Kyle Schwarber. So even though our priority, we're not that serious about it. That's the way I'm reading this. I would imagine if they wanted him to come back, don't you think that they would have done everything they needed to do to get it done by this point? Yeah, I would think so. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we look back at the year 2019, a year the Cardinals got back to the playoffs next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> As we continue our look back at the decade, time to look back at 2019. It was a pretty good year, especially after down the stretch of 2018, the Blues were bad. The Blues woke up on January 3rd of 2019 in last place. Michelle, Mm -hmm. fewest points in the National Hockey League. I remember. It was a dark time. It was a dark time. It was. I remember we had Tom Stillman here in the studio. He sat right to the left of me in this chair. Bernie and I interviewed him, and we basically said, explain yourself. What is going on with this Mm -hmm. team? And he said, I... I'm telling you, this team is going to turn it around. I believe in them. And we said, okay, great. And then we wrapped and we said, we appreciate his positive outlook. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, positive energy and belief starts from the top and it permeates down. But we thought, yeah, there's no way. We (laughs) played that cut in the fast lane. And after it aired, the first word out of anybody's mouth was Brad Thompson saying, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the appropriate response based on where the team was at the time. But the team did turn things around, got a little bit better in January, and then in February took off on a team record 11-game winning streak. Carter's in. It's Carter around behind. And a centering pass block. And it's a two-on-one the other way. O'Reilly and Tarasenko. Ryan O'Reilly scores! It's 11th heaven in St. Louis. Now Mitchell Marner trying to take this thing over. He goes around on the wraparound, can't get it out front. It's turned over to Ryan O'Reilly. He's coming in on two-on-one. They're screaming at him. On man rush, on man rush. He just 
Davis takes it, puts it up and over. Freddie Anderson uses the decoy of Tarasenko and puts it up and over. Bar down, and we have a winner. 11 straight for Ryan O'Reilly and the Blues, Chris. What a magical ride the second half of that season was. At that moment, were you thinking, what's happening? What is going on here? Yes, I was, because it wasn't that game. It was the game before that in Tampa where the Blues took the Lightning, the highest scoring team in the league the year before, to overtime and beat them one nothing, on an incredible, just a shot along the ice by Braden Shen. But Jordan Binnington was incredible during the 11-game winning streak. And you are thinking, okay, well, they, maybe they have something here, but it is the Blues. Yes, correct. So they get to the playoffs. They beat Winnipeg in round one. And they won the first two, lost the second two, won the third two. So they beat Winnipeg in six. Those fans, too. Remember the the whiteout, the stoic fans? It was a weird environment there. Right. But the turning point of the series, Blues win a game, a walk-off, and Jordan Binnington just skates off. Right? The, The game five. And then they come back and win game six here. So you get to the series against Dallas, and the Blues are down. They're down three games to two. And they tie the game, tie the series 3-3, and then they come home. Game 7, overtime. Game 7, double overtime. Bozak and Hitch to the left of Bishop. Blues face 53 shots. Blues control. This is Thomas. Thomas shoots. That's behind him. The St. Louisan, Patrick Maroon, puts his puts a pass in another St. Louisan, Ben Bishop, to give the Blues a double overtime Game 7 victory. He's a hometown hero, baby. <laughs> Unbelievable. Even listening to that call, though, don't you feel your pulse start to quicken yeah. and your heart rate picks up because you remember the intensity of being in double overtime in a Game 7 scenario? You and I were sitting right next to each other. We could barely breathe. No, it's as good as it gets. It was amazing. Yeah, you simultaneously are having the time of your life while also feeling like you may die at any right, second. Right, <laughs> right. So the Blues just crushed San Jose in the conference finals. The, the Sharks didn't have any other good players i shouldn't say any but they didn't have most of their good players because they had just been literally beat up by the blues by the time we got to game six and we had the hand pass game the hand pass game game five which would have taken the wind out of the sails of a lot of teams but not the mentally tough blues that's right who go to the stanley cup finals and again have to go to game seven this time on the road in boston in one of the most hostile environments not only in all of hockey but in all of sports but the blues Rolled. The Blues at the bench are realizing that they are going to be champions. Ten seconds to go. The longest wait for a first title any team in this league has had. For the first time in their history, the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. And the Consmite Trophy went to none other than Ryan O'Reilly and the Blues have a great scene as Alex Petrangelo raises the cup for the first time in Blues history. That entire season was about taking the most long and difficult path to get there, which you could say about the Blues franchise in general. Right. But to be in last place and have to fight your way back to the game sevens that you had to endure, the fact that this team had to continuously win on the road, that they would go into an amazing environment at Enterprise Center and not be able to get it done at home time and time again and and be such a tough road team. They just proved their mental toughness over and over and over again. 
again. They had an unbelievable celebration on the ice, another one in the dressing room, on the plane on the way home <laughs> yeah. as they float flew through the night from Boston to St. Louis. Thousands of people waiting for them when they arrived in St. Louis. They go home, apparently just drop off their bags and headed right to O.B. Clark's and <laughs> yeah. continued drinking and didn't sleep and had an unbelievable party at O.B. Clark's. They went to Anheuser-Busch, went to the brewery, took the cup there. They went to Wheelhouse, had an unbelievable party there. Then they had the parade. And by the way, they haven't slept. No. And they've been, <laughs> let's just say, celebrating yeah. for, for a few days now. Yeah. Um, but the parade, we had always talked about. Any blues fan had said, I, I just close my eyes and I can envision what it would be like to have a parade down Market Street with the cup. What a special and glorious day, no pun intended, that would be. And I can truly say it was better than anything I had ever dreamed it would be. It was awesome. It was, I'm like you, it was, it exceeded every expectation that I could have had for a Blues Championship Parade. The fans were great. The players' interaction with the fans was unprecedented and something we'll probably never see again. The celebration down at the Arch was unbelievable. And it's one of the top moments, if not the top moment, in my St. Louis sports watching life. Which says a lot because we've had a lot of magical moments as St. Louis sports fans. I thought that nothing could ever touch the David Freeze Game 6 mm-hmm. moment. And then the Blues go on this incredible run and they capture their first Stanley Cup championship. And like we said, there were so many things that had to happen. We we didn't even mention Gloria. We didn't mm-hmm. mention Boom Boom Gunnarsson, which was a, a crazy story. <laughs> The emergence of Jordan Bennington. The list goes on and on about the stories that were compiled on the way to the Blues finally winning. And in my lifetime, nothing will ever come close to that run. So maybe the highlight of the decade came late in 2019 as the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Other things that happened during... other things happened that year? Yeah, there there were a few other things. (laughs) Mizzou fired Barry Odom and hired Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, The Battlehawks were announced and came into existence, right? The MLS awarded a franchise to St. Louis that will have start playing in 2023. Which was huge because talk about long, difficult roads. That was something that St. Louis had coveted for a long time. And Mm -hmm. there had been false starts and finally to have the right ownership group in place and finally get an MLS team here to such a soccer rich community was such a win for St. Louis. It was a a Another great time. Jack Flaherty had the second best second half ever for any pitcher. Second best to Jake Arrieta in 2019. And on the last day of the season, the Cardinals won their division by beating the Cubs, knocking them out. And then they went to the playoffs and played Atlanta, got to game five, and ended things in a hurry. The stretch, the pitch, the 0-2. Base hit to right field. A single to right, and just like that, The Cardinals on the board, playing small ball, a walk, a bunt, an infield single, a textbook base hit to right by Ozuna. The 0-1. Hit down the line at first. It's a fair ball. One run is in. Ozuna scores. Molina's going to come around to score. It's a double for Edmund. A four-run first, St. Louis. Scored 8-9. Did he get a piece of it? No. He swings and misses. McCann has to make the play, and he can't make it. So a run scores on a strikeout, but a missed ball behind the plate. We've seen it all. It's 10 to nothing. Safe at first is Ozuna. Oh, my goodness. You, you couldn't have dreamt this up in your worst nightmare. 
And the Cardinals obviously won game five, and then they didn't win a game against Washington in the NLCS, but they did return to the playoffs for the first time since 2015. And gave us a fun postseason moment there. That was amazing. I didn't see that coming against Max Fried and the, the the Braves. And obviously Jack Flaherty uh, buckled down and won it for the Cardinals as they did win that playoff game against Atlanta. St. Louis University under Travis Ford returned to the NCAA tournament by winning the Atlantic 10 tournament. Oshie hands it off, lost it, stolen, but no, he couldn't steal it. Lofton brings it back, wants the drive, dish to the corner, open, lost. No good! Rebound loose! One second left of back, just get it away, and the Billikens win! 55-53! They're going to the NCAA tournament! He missed the three! The Billikens in a dog pile! They're going to the NCAA tournament! Love Earl Austin Jr.'s reaction all the time. Absolutely. And it was great to see the Billikens back in the NCAAs. So 2019 winds up being a pretty darn good year. For, I would say, the best year of the decade? I would say so. Hands down? Yeah, it was remarkable. There were a lot of great things, and man, we'll never forget that Stanley Cup run. It was amazing. Absolutely not. Just even talking about it, listening back to those highlights, it, you it brings you back immediately. Yeah, and it'll be fun to start again because even though they're a different look team, almost a third of their roster is going to be turned over starting the 21 season. They're going to be really good, and they'll have another chance to win another cup. Randy, remember when we would talk about how we needed to go and get some special salt on the black, black market? Black salt, yeah. Black salt to reverse the curse yeah. for the blues? Yep. Turns out we didn't need to hey, do anything. I was so convinced in the early part of the decade that when Michelle Swalman, as the producer of the Fast Lane, suggested, Randy, you should get a tattoo if the blues win the <laughs> Stanley Cup. I said, yeah, that's, I'll do that. Come on, they aren't going to win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. <laughs> and lo and behold, a couple of weeks after the, one week after the parade, I've got a tattoo still there. And you know what? As much as I'm sure you never thought about getting a tattoo in your life, how pumped are you that you actually got to do it? Totally worth it. Totally worth it. No doubt about it. That's our look back at 2019 here as we look back at the decade on 101 ESPN. Coming up, stick around. We've got a returning fighter as we have our last fight of 2020 here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And it is time for the final fight here on Carriker and Smallman of 2020. And the final fight features a returning fighter. We have Mike joining us again. Mike competed against Randy yesterday. He got all four correct and was closest to the pin for the tiebreaker. So he comes back today to take on Randy. If he wins today, he only needs one more victory to secure his place in the Fight Hall of Fame. So let's see if he can get it done today. Mike, good morning. How are you doing this today? I'm a little nervous, to be honest. <laughs> nervous? Why? You got all four right yesterday. Well, I mean, everybody gets lucky every once in a while. So uh, Randy gets, there's no luck involved with Randy. It's just straight up skill and knowledge. Well, if it's skill with Randy, it was skill with you, too, because you took him down. So have a little confidence in yourself. All right, Mike? <laughs> okay. Hi. Let's get going. Question number one. 
Who is credited with the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2019 Stanley Cup? Was it Jaden Schwartz, Ryan O'Reilly, or Alex Petrangelo? Uh, um, Petro. Mike, who led the majors in batting average in 2020? Was it Juan Soto, Marcelo Zuna, or DJ LeMayhew? LeMayhew. Question number three for you, Mike. Tiger Woods turns 46 today. Happy birthday to Tiger. What major tournament has Tiger won the most? Is it the PGA Championship, the Masters, or the U.S. Open? Uh, he's won. I'll go with the Masters. And Mike, who holds the Cardinals team record for walks in a season? Is it Albert Pujols, Mark McGuire, or Stan Musial? I will go with Big Mac. Okay, checking our score here. Randy's on his way in. Whew. We can't reveal, Mike, how you did, but you should have had more confidence in yourself. I'll just say that. Randy settling in. Randy, say good morning again to Mike, our returning fighter. Mike, welcome back. How you doing? I am doing, I, I think, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year. Thank you. All right, Randy, question number one. Mm-hmm. Who was credited with the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals? Well, the Blues won 4-1, to and Alex Petrangelo scored the second one, so I would go with Petro. Randy, who led the majors in batting average in 2020? I think DJ LeMay who did. I'll go with him. Tiger Woods turns 46 today. Happy birthday to him. Mm-hmm. Randy, what major tournament has Tiger won the most? Um, I think it would have to be the five Masters. And Randy, who holds the Cardinals team record for walks in a season? Mark McGuire. You won't believe it, folks. We have another tie. Hmm. Mike and Randy, again, two days in a row, got all four correct. So, again, here's what we're going to do. We are going to give the tiebreaker question. Randy is going to write down his answer after I read the question. Mike, again, you're going to get first crack at it, and you're going to give your answer after 10 seconds. Randy will then reveal what he wrote down on the piece of paper. My pen works today. Okay, great. Whichever one gets it correct or first to the pin will win. Here is your tiebreaker question for today. How many different events will there be at the 2021 Summer Olympics in Tokyo? So how many different sports will be played? Not sports, different events. So, for example, track and field, there can be the 4x100, the... uh, Four by twelve hundred, so all like, the different events. But the decathlon counts as one, right? Every event that they will hand out a gold medal to okay, counts cool, as an good, event. Good. Okay, good. So how so many? There's male and female, so the answer will be twice the amount of the events. Is Cor- that correct? Correct. All right. I will go with. Randy's writing it down. Mike, what is your answer? One seventy-six. 176. Randy, your answer is? 124. Pretty close. But we have a winner. We have a winner and new champion, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs.
You heard the man with the big voice. Mike takes down Randy again. What a shocking way to end the fight for 2020. Let's run through the answers. So Alex Petrangelo was credited with the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals. As Randy mentioned, he scored the second goal. The Blues went on to win 4-1. to one. DJ LeMahieu led the majors in batting average in 2020, 364 batting average. Tiger Woods' birthday is today. He has won the Masters more than any other major tournament five times. And Mark McGuire holds the Cardinals team record for walks in a season with 162. That was back in 1998. Now, our tiebreaker question was... How many different events will there be at the 2021 Summer Olympics in in Tokyo? How many events will there be medals handed out for? Mike guessed 176. Randy, 124. Mike was closest to the pin. Our answer is 339 events. 339 events. Mike, congratulations. You are one step closer to being in the fight Hall of Fame, and we're going to talk to you next week and next year, and hopefully you can capture that. Be the last of this year and the first of next. Exactly. (laughs) Congratulations, Mike. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Mike. All right. See you next year. Yep. Good to have Mike with us on 101 ESPN. That's a lot of events. I didn't know there were that many sports. A lot of medals being made. Yeah, right. Hopefully they have the Olympics, right? Hopefully. I think they're going to do everything they can to have it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up as we roll on here on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got a little game of take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Ready for Teoli on 101 ESPN? Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. It is take it or leave it. And Michelle, USA Today has their annual hot seat rankings for head head coaches in the NFL as we head into the final weekend. And number one, of course, is Adam Gase. He's got the, uh, the flaming hot seat. Okay. For scalding Doug Marone of Jacksonville, no surprise there. Warm Anthony Lynn of the Chargers and warming Doug Peterson of the Eagles. Take it or leave it, the Eagles would fire Peterson three years after winning the Super Bowl. I'll take that. Now, should they? That's a different conversation. But will they? I will take that. I don't think they will. I think after going one and done with Chip Kelly and the disaster in trying to find a coach that could win a Super Bowl like Doug Peterson, I think they stick with him because they understand what happened this year. What? just Well, they, their, their entire offensive line yeah. was gone and totally. still is. Their receivers are all gone. Uh, a lot of their defensive players were hurt. They didn't have, they, uh, they just got Deshaun Jackson back the other day. He got hurt again. They need to have better talent. They know that Doug Peterson can win if he has the right talent in place. But this is Philly, and this is a place that uh, can get hostile, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And in a, after a season like this, when so much did go wrong, they're going to want somebody to be a sacrificial lamb. And it probably won't be Carson Wentz because of the money there. So then who who are they going to blame? Jason Peters. That's going <laughs> to be they, it? They brought him back to beat, well, they, no, they aren't going to blame him. They're, they're, I don't think they will. I think they'll say, hey, it was 2020 and we had a bunch of injuries. I think that's the right play, yeah. but I don't know if we'll see it go down sure. that way. Might be the GM, too. Could be Howie Rose. Yeah. For well, giving Wentz that contract. I was going to say, he gave out the contract, yep. and if they need better talent, that's the first right. person you're going to point to. 
Um, so earlier in the show, Randy, we talked about how we had a great visit yesterday with former Mizzou head football coach Gary Pinkle, and he talked about how crucial it was for Mizzou to secure that new indoor football practice facility to keep up with other teams in the SEC as far as recruiting. Well, we got word last night that an anonymous donor gave a $10 million donation to Mizzou to secure that indoor football facility. They must have been listening to the show. They heard Gary Pinkle's plea, and they said, you know what? I've got a spare 10 mil lying around. I'll go ahead and donate it. But take it or leave it. If you had $10 million to donate to a school to build a building or some sort of facility, you would never do it anonymously because you would want your name attached to it. I'm going to leave that. No, I'm going to totally do it anonymously because nobody cares whose name is on the the building that they practice in. I care. If I'm writing a $10 million check, we are going to be talking about the Smallman Indoor Practice Facility all the time. But nobody's ever going to mention it. You'll know about it. Players will know about it. But media, it's not going to get out there a lot. But what if I have a big flashing marquee sign on there that just flashes Smallman? How often are you going to see that when you're in St. Louis and it's in Columbia? <laughs> well, it would be in Champaign as far as I'm okay, concerned. Okay, Champaign. But it was just having people know it was there. If I'm donating $10 million, my name's going on the building. Okay, I'm not. I, I'm and, and I don't know if $10 million will be enough to get the naming rights. I would think that they'll sell the naming rights separately, right? But you could work out a deal where your name's somewhere on the building. If you're going to donate $10 million to get the thing off the ground. It's amazing. $10 million to get it off the ground. And I believe Rams Park was built in 1996 for $5.2 million over in Earth City. Wow. And now $10 million to get this off the ground. It's amazing. Crazy. Tanner Hendrickson is here. What do you got for us? From the 314, take it or leave it when the Battlehawks return. The two candidates that they should first try for, Rex Ryan and Lovey Smith. For their head coach? Yes. I will go with Rex. I think you need to have, uh, and Jonathan Hayes didn't have, he wasn't the most charismatic guy in the world, but he was fun. I think you need to have a fun guy. Can you imagine the bombastic Rex Ryan being in the XFL with The Rock? Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great? It would be incredible. So, yeah, I, I will, uh, I'm going to leave it because I don't, I'm not putting Lovey in there, though. You know, I'm going to leave it, too, because I think Lovey goes back to the NFL before he goes to somewhere like the XFL. But I do take it on Rex Ryan. And he's older than 65, Lovey is, right? Let's see. He might retire. I think it might not be a bad idea. He is 62. Okay, so maybe he's got a couple years left. But I wonder if anybody hires him to be a, a DC. From the 636, apparently it's National Bacon Day. Take it or leave it, Crispy's the only way to have it. I'm going to leave that. Not a huge crispy bacon guy. How do you like it, medium? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really discriminate it when it comes to bacon. Hmm. I'm not a huge bacon guy. I am... Like what do you if, if, Canadian ham? If given the choice between like link sausage and bacon in the morning, I know this is like heresy for some people. Yeah, what? Yeah, I'm going sausage. What is it? The delicious casing that reels you in every time? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I've met few people that prefer sausage over bacon, Randy. Way to be an individual. Oh, bacon is like, it's a national treasure that we have. Bacon is way, way, way overrated by Americans. Not that it's bad, but you would think that it's the greatest thing in the world, and it's not. It's pretty close, though. Bacon makes everything better, except a salad. I don't like bacon in a salad. Bacon ice cream? 
have you ever had bacon and chocolate together? I haven't. It's good. Very delicious. Yeah. Throw that in an ice cream. Yeah. Those flavors no. combine well. Why somebody came up with the thought that turkey bacon could compete with real bacon, I don't know. Turkey bacon, not great. It's, you might as well just buy the box and eat the box. It's like gnawing on rubber. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Today is Tiger Woods and LeBron James's birthdays. Take it or leave it. We will see Tiger win another major championship and LeBron win another title within the next 10 years. Leave it. I'm going to leave it on Tiger. Yep, that's where I'm going to. I think LeBron has a chance to win another title this year. I agree. Especially with the truncated season. But I don't see Tiger winning another major. We're starting to see the fire sale occur in Chicago. Take it or leave it. Chris Bryant will not be a Cub on opening day. I'm going to leave that. Somewhere through the season. I'm going to say that once we get to the trade deadline, yeah. I could see him get moved. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely would like to move him. Yeah. But so, I think he starts the season with the Cubs. Yeah. And he he was really bad last year. If he's bad again, why would you want to trade for that guy to help you down the stretch? Right. Because he'll have been, he, he, he's been less than great now for a couple of years. Gosh. Imagine being a Cubs fan right now. We have a lot to complain about mm-hmm. being, being, in St. Louis when you look at the state of the Cardinals, but at least you're not the Cubs watching them trade off you Darvish talking about mo- moving players that people have an emotional yeah. ta- attachment to, even if they're not performing at a high level, knowing that the, the team is getting dismantled and you're going to be in for it for a few years. It stinks. I wonder if you hate to see it, Chris. Yeah, you do I hate to see it. I, I wonder if Chris Bryant ever thinks about on a day like this, he's just sitting on the couch watching TV and says, man, they offered me $200 million over 10 years, and I turned it down. <clears throat> Wouldn't you think about that every day? Yeah, probably. I would think about that every single day. <laughs> From the 314, take it or leave it, the Blues will take 5 of 8 against Vegas this season. I'll take that. How many? 5 out of 8. I want to take it, but I'm going to leave it. I'll go with it with an even split. Okay. Good. I could see that too, but I'm both, going with both good teams in different ways. Those are going to be great battles between those two program, those two teams. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it from the nine one three. It's troubling to know that next year's year is called two thousand twenty one, like W O N. Oh. Oh yeah, I'll take that. I'll yeah. take it too. But it did. I was going to say what? it's just facts. Yeah. Two thousand twenty did win. Took us all for a ride. From the 314, take it or leave it. The Padres are done making big moves this offseason. I will take that. I'm going to take it too. But I could see them making another smaller supplemental move. Absolutely. They could use bullpen help. So if you can go out and find somebody to, and there are a lot of relievers out there, somebody to fortify that bullpen, get your bullpen to the level that the Dodgers is, you definitely make that move. From the 618, take it or leave it. The Phillies should trade for Wilson Contreras rather than signing Yadier Molina. I will take that. I'll take that too. But after marinating on what Greg said, though, there is a lot to the Girardi factor for me because he really understands a catcher. He is a catcher, Mm -hmm. and he knows what Yadi can bring to the table. He's going to look past certain analytics and certain numbers, and he might be looking at Yadi as a veteran presence, as a guy that can help with the the construction of a game, and say, I'm I'm telling you, he can be, and not to mention Yadi's fire, his mentality coming from a winning place like St. Louis. Mm -hmm. All those things are things that they need in, in Philadelphia. If you want to establish a winning culture there, Bringing in somebody like Yadier Molina to help instill that and a lot of these players is a big win for you. But Wilson Contreras can hit. 
that's true, <laughs> which is a huge factor yeah, as well. Yeah, so that, that helps out a culture when you have guys that can hit. Yeah, that's true. And you, clearly with the Cubs, you don't have to have good prospects anymore. I, I was thinking, okay, well, they don't really have any minor leaguers. As we mentioned, the Padres gave up four guys that were not in their top 10 in their system, and none of them have played a pro game. Not one of the minor leaguers has played a pro baseball game that the Cubs got from the Padres. Gosh. Take it or leave it. You know it was a slow day in the sports world when Lindsey Vaughn and P.K. Subban split is a leading headline on ESPN.com. Yeah, I'll take that. Poor Lindsey Vaughn. Is she ever going to find true love? Maybe she doesn't want true love, Randy. Maybe some people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lesson. Maybe she's just a seasonal girl. Well, she was with PK for a few years. A couple of years. Tiger, Tiger for, for a couple few, of years. Yeah. yeah. So those just are different chapters. Different chapters. Of her. Maybe she's a girl that well, doesn't want to be tied down. Well, that might Ever be. think of that? It's a possibility. But maybe she should just not date athletes anymore. That might be a good move on her part. By the way, it was an incredibly amicable parting. Those two really yeah. were okay. nice to each other. According to their press releases, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm sure they so both crafted we'll, with great care. We'll always themselves. love each other. Yeah. How, how much do you think they paid somebody to write that for them? I'm sure they have really expensive PR firms. Isn't that a great job to just have oh. to craft a, break, yeah. a, a social media breakup post for somebody? They all sound the exact same. It, We've amicably decided to, to part ways. It was a mutual decision based out of love and respect. We will always care deeply for one another. Please respect our privacy at this difficult time. It's like a template on Microsoft. Yeah, And they're getting paid a lot of money to do that. And if I'm not mistaken, they both use the same picture in their breakup <laughs> posts. That I'm sure somebody edited. It's just... Yeah. Might be the same firm. Okay. At what point in your life are you so famous that when you break up with someone, you have to issue a statement about it? Can't people just break up and then that's the end? Why do you have to issue a statement saying, hey, we broke up? Because when you get seen with somebody else, TMZ is going to be there. Great. And then in that moment, I'll be like, yeah, I've been single for a while. Where have you been, TMZ? You're sleeping on the job. It's not up to me to announce to the world that we broke up. Okay, let me throw another one out at you. When's the last time we talked about Lindsey Vaughn or P.K. Subban? Great point. Maybe this is all for the pub. You know what, Randy? PR, right? I like where your head's at. Looking at it from a different angle. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thank you very much for your texts. And by the way, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we've got Ask Uncle Randy. You can send us a text to ask a question of me, any question that you might have, and I'll give you a good, honest, helpful answer. You can text. You can leave a mic drop with the mic drop feature, 101 ESPN app. And, of course, you can email Randy at 101ESPN.com. Are you going to have any questions, you think? Do I? Of course. Okay. That's coming I can't up at- reveal it now, though. Okay, coming up at 9.30. Next up, though, we've got NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. in the National Football League is upon us, and there are a lot of interesting things happening. Number one, Michelle, the Cleveland Browns need to win against Pittsburgh 
just so that they can be assured that they're in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. The Steelers announced yesterday, Mike Tomlin, that he will rest Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph will start in Cleveland. Five and three as a starter in his career. And of course, most notably, had his helmet ripped off and swung at him by Miles Garrett last year, the last time he played. Yeah, some bad blood there. We remember that. Um, A lot on the line here for Cleveland. And if you're Pittsburgh, I think this is the right call. Big Ben certainly could use a spell. This is a 38-year-old quarterback. You need him as fresh as can be heading into the playoffs. And given the construction of the playoff format this year, if they're not going to be the number one seed, it doesn't really matter for home field advantage. Right. So I think giving him the rest and ensuring that he's as fresh and as healthy as possible heading into the first round of the playoffs is the best call for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I know the Steelers would love to put it on the Browns and continue to <laughs> ensure that they're the factory of sadness, mm-hmm. but I think having a macro view rather than a micro view on this one is is the right call. Dwayne Haskins, who was placed on waivers a couple of days ago by the Washington football team, passed through waivers and reportedly there are several teams that have interest in signing Haskins at the end of this season. Which teams do you think would be a good fit for him? I I mentioned yesterday the Seahawks. I think that uh, being in that culture with Pete Carroll Mm -hmm. and being able to observe Russell Wilson I think that would really benefit him. Depending on what happens in New Orleans, I don't know if you want to have Jameis and he together. It depends on whether or not Jameis is back. But I think being able to learn under Sean Payton, I think, would be an advantage, too. Sorry, my computer just went off there. Okay. So I think there are some teams that if you can have him sit and learn and try to mature, and I don't know if he'll ever mature, but I think there are a couple of teams out there that are worth him at least sitting on the bench for. Yeah, in, in reading last night, there are a lot of teams out there. I just thought it was so interesting that the Rams would be in the mix, that the Rams would be a team that was named as a possible landing spot for Dwayne Haskins. We yeah, you need a quarterback. Yeah, you, you want him in L.A. That would be really... That's what I thought. Well, they certainly need a backup, can you imagine him, if, if he already has issues following the rules right now, going to L.A.? Yeah, that's not going to be a good thing. I didn't think it'd be a good fit either. Ian Rappaport, by the way, just reported that the Panthers are a team that has interest in Haskins. And by the way, I don't know. The Rams have Blake Bortles now as their backup. I don't know why they would need anybody else. (laughs) Yeah, you're all set. (laughs) You are set there. (laughs) And if Alex Smith can't start Sunday for the football team, they will start former Battlehawk backup Taylor Heineke. Would love to see him get an opportunity. When the Washington football team fans are in the stands again, when they come back, is there a chant, football team, football team? <laughs> That's a great football question. Football team. You know, and that doesn't really inspire a lot of excitement to just t- chant football team. No, I think you might have to be a little bit more droll you football team. You don't want to chant Washington either. No. Oh, yeah, I don't know what they do. Yeah, at least with Illinois, another team that doesn't have a mascot, we can spell out Illini. Right, I-L-L. To spell out a football team, you're going to be there a while. Speaking of the Rams, who did re-sign Blake Bortles, Cooper Cup has been placed on the COVID list. He could miss Sunday's game against Arizona. We don't know if the quarterback is going to be able to get him the ball anyway. (laughs) But he has to be on the COVID list for five days if it is close contact tracing. Ten days if he tested positive. Things seem to be unraveling for the Rams. Yeah, it's not great. They're putting all their hope in the Green Bay Packers, eh? 
I would say so. If the Bears beat the Packers and the Rams fall to the Cardinals, the Cardinals and the Bears would be in the playoffs and the Rams would be on the outside looking in. Which do we think that's going to happen? I don't think the Bears are going to beat the Packers. I don't think so either, but I'm going to be cheering for them. I will too. But imagine being John Wolford in this situation. You're getting thrown into your first NFL start in a game that has a lot of implications, and all of a sudden you're missing Cooper Cup as well. Just a lot of stuff that's going on there. I I do feel badly for him, but this is an opportunity for him. Hey, you know what? Just make sure that you are nowhere around COVID. Come on. It's Cooper. It's a Ram. Do you really feel sorry for a Ram? Absolutely not. And as soon as the words left my mouth, I was like, I actually don't feel badly for him. I don't. He's wearing that terrible uniform. What do they call it? Bone? It just looks dingy. It looks like they didn't wash it enough. It really does, doesn't it? Anytime I tune into a Rams game to just check them out a little bit and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. I was watching the the Rams-Seahawks game. Cheering for the Seahawks really hard, Uh by the way. Every time I watch them, I'm like, who signed off on this? How many people got paid to make these terrible uniform decisions? It looks like they're wearing a name tag on their shoulder. The color is awful. I just the whole thing reeks of them trying so hard. And the you mentioned the numbers on the shoulders. They look like a video game, don't yeah, they? They, it's they look terrible. like a bad video game. I don't know. It's, I guess the one advantage is they don't have to wash them. That's true. Get some yeah. grass stains on there. It only yeah. adds adds to the look. Yeah. This is an interesting note from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. He tweets that a handful of college coaches are drawing interest for NFL head coaching jobs, as we talked about with Urban Meyer. Minnesota's P.J. Fleck is one of them. At least one team wants to interview the 40-year-old Fleck, who's one of the only current FBS coaches to both play and coach in the NFL. Okay, row the boat. Where do we think P.J. Fleck would be a, a great fit for what NFL team? Let me take a quick look here at the teams. I, I don't about, think Jacksonville are the Jets. What about Houston? Houston would be interesting. I would be intrigued to see PJ Fleck there. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of lakes in Houston, if I if I remember correctly. Don't know if we can use the row of the boat analogy. No, that's true. I will tell you this: when I worked at ESPN we would do the car washes where the mm-hmm. coaches would come through and the most most impressive coach I've ever been around in person was PJ Fleck. Really? He came around, shook everyone's hand, looked everyone in the eye, remembered our names. He then gave us all a business card that was hand carved out of wood in the shape of a boat. Oh, no way. And then after he wrote everyone handwritten thank you notes for having him on the show. He's a very impressive person when you meet him in, in real life. I, I could see how players would love to play for him. He just makes you feel instantly when you're around him like he gets you and you're you're part of whatever he's doing. Here's the thing about teams like Houston and Atlanta. They don't have general managers at the moment. So maybe he would get a ton of power there. Detroit doesn't have a general manager either. So maybe the Jets with the knowledge that they're going to get rid of Adam Gase... Or maybe somebody's going to give him a ton of power. But with that sort of charisma, he'd be he'd be a good fit anywhere. And, and obviously he wins. Absolutely. But I would just think somewhere like you mentioned Detroit, Houston, places that need a cultural facelift. Mm-hmm. And whether it's kind of cheesy well, or not, I just think to build, a, he's somebody, whether it's in college or not, that has built a culture. And has a name in Michigan because he was very successful at Western Michigan, too. That's right. So perhaps the Lions are 
uh, spot for him. Those are your... Oh, le- let's give you uh, the update on the Patriots, too. Oh, yes. Bill Belichick says that he would imagine that Cam Newton will start Sunday against the Jets. But Cam will- Newton has not been a great thrower this year. But will he start for the Patriots after that? Next season? Are they going to find somebody better? I... That is the question. They're probably not going to find somebody in the draft that they want to no. start right away. Unless they trade for a Matthew Stafford. That that would be intriguing. But yeah, I would imagine that Belichick, what does he do best? He goes out and he finds veterans that he can extract the best out of. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know how that's going to apply from a quarterback perspective. But I just wonder whether it's a Fitzpatrick or a, a Matthew Stafford, if there's somebody that he slash they might have their eye on because I just, while they do talk in New England about how they really like, I, I hear it all the time about how they like Cam as a person um, and that they appreciate everything he's poured into the franchise. It, the product is not there on the field. The results no. are not there on the field. And I don't know how you bring him back after what you've seen this year. I'm with you. It's not going to get any better. And they have the 13th pick in the draft, so they aren't going to get the elite of the elite either. No. No. Again, I feel bad for him. Do you? No, I don't. Let's see how good Bill Belichick is without Brady. How about that graphic that they had on the Monday Night Football game of the love, actually? Of the, I, of the scene when they when he would draw on the cards, begging or professing oh, yeah, his yeah, love uh-huh. for somebody. I thought, are we really at that point? <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, Tom Brady has proven <laughs> that he was a big portion of the recipe for their success. But are we to that point where we're really just ready to say that Brady was the the majority of the reason why they won there and just cast off Bill Belichick after this season well, where they had all the opt-outs and so many weird things happen? You don't cast him off, but what you look at is what he has accomplished without Tom Brady as opposed to what he has accomplished with Tom Brady. I think he's made the playoffs once. That was with Cleveland without Brady. But in this one season, if we're doing, going to just take this and observe it for what it is, they had all the opt-outs. Mm-hmm. You had Cam Newton who dealt with COVID. You, there were so many things working against him, and I'm not making excuses for him. But I'm, I'm just saying I'm not ready to all of a sudden decide in the power rankings here between Tom and Bill that Tom is that much more superior than Bill and contributed that much more to their success based on what the Patriots and Bill Belichick no. did this season. He, he's, a, he, he's a very good head coach, but... And even if they had Brady now, I don't know if they'd be better than Buffalo. Probably not. No, because Buffalo has turned into a really good franchise now, a really good team. But I I don't believe that if it would have been Drew Bledsoe, that they would have had the success that they enjoyed under Brady. And that's fair. Coming up, we're going to take a look back at this year, 2020, as we look back at the decade on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We conclude our look back at the decade. And Michelle, I want to start with this. Do you think that when time started, they started with year zero or year one? Like uh, we're, we're in year zero. Like how you yeah. count months for a baby. Right. You don't start at one when you're a baby. You, 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 you are start, a month old. You, and you turn. Or a day old into you, a month old. Yeah, yeah so, and then you turn one. So you turn one. So if that is the case, if you turn one, then a decade would go from zero to one, right? 
Yes, because I remember at the end of last year, a lot of people were doing the highlights of the decade, and people were saying, no, no, not the end of the decade. This is the end of the decade. This is the end of the decade. Did you think when people started time, they did like you do with a baby, and they said the world is 18 months old? Probably, yeah. I think that's probably what happened. I know that that's the way parents are programmed to do it because of the way the doctors Mm -hmm. explain it, because of the growth. Mm-hmm. But as someone who doesn't have kids, it's hard to do the math. Just tell me your kid's a year and a half. <laughs> you know, I don't no, want to have to say like, oh, 18 months. Okay. When it's so your own kid, because you know, 16, 17, 18, you, you're paying attention. Right. But when you're talking to someone else about your kid, and you're like, oh, they're 13 months old. Okay, wait. So that's a year plus. Okay. A year old and a month. <laughs> I Great. got it. I got it. So there were a lot of interesting things that happened during 2020. The Blues were in first place when COVID struck. They were on their way to winning another Stanley Cup and then the world shut down about March 11th or 12th and we didn't get to see the Blues again until August and we didn't see them for long because they were in the bubble in Edmonton. They weren't particularly enthralling in their round robin series against Colorado, Dallas, and Vegas, and then they got knocked out in the first round of the real playoffs by the Vegas, or by the Vancouver Canucks. Somebody with a V. Somebody with a V? Yeah. Gosh, when you look back and you think about the state of the team and the way the Blues were rolling and the disruption that happened and what could have been had we not been in a pandemic, I try, and Yes, we're very close to the situation, but I truly felt like the Blues were going to repeat as Stanley Cup champions before all this happened. And that includes the loss of Jay Bomeister, correct? Who had suffered the cardiac event in Anaheim, but they had acquired Marco Scandella. He was playing well. They had scored a ton of goals without Vladimir Tarasenko in the lineup, and he was going to come back. Remember? Yes. And everything was going their way. Everything, except for the bubble. Yeah. The bubble did not help. Michelle, one of the other great things about 2020 was we talked in our last segment, 2019, about St. Louis being awarded the XFL franchise. We actually got a chance to watch the Battle Hawks play. And boy, was it glorious, Randy. That was something, especially that first game back in the Dome after such a long time away. It was like going back to your childhood home. You know, when mm-hmm. you drive past and you're like, oh, the neighborhood's still the same. Oh, we used to have those same drapes that they have in the window. I will never forget walking back in the Dome after not being there for so many years. And it felt weird at first because you had the ghosts of the of the pain that you felt with the Rams, not only because they left town, but because of all the losing that was attached to that building for so long. And then to go in there that first game and feel the electricity that the Battle Hawks brought back, it was unbelievable. And the quality of football was actually pretty good. In terms of excitement level, it was the highest that we saw in a long, long time because the Rams were just so either bad or mediocre. Yeah, it was it was an interesting cocktail of things that were happening. It was part St. Louis being a football town and being a great sports town and supporting their own. And this was the first homegrown St. Louis football team, which was something that people here were going to attach to. It was part giving the middle finger to Kroenke mm-hmm. in the NFL. And it was a huge part of what the Battlehawks were able to do on the field. It was a great, great cocktail. Another great thing that happened was we got to learn the name of our new soccer team. Our new MLS team had been awarded in 2019 and 2020 in August. It was revealed that the team name is going to be and is 
St. Louis City SC. And you can buy stuff for St. Louis City SC around the, the St. Louis area now. I like the name. It's classic. It, it's a great homage to our soccer roots here. I love the colors. I loved the entire rollout. I thought they did such a great job. And I can't wait for the team to be constructed and for us to finally cheer the team on when they hit the pitch. I know there are some people that are bothered by the shade of the colors. The red, specifically. Right. They, they think it's pink. I'm fine with it. I think it looks great. I appreciate that it's different than Cardinal Red. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you there. They did their own thing. So, They're look, establishing their, their own identity. And the stadium is being built. The ground was broken on the stadium construction in 2020, and it'll be ready for 2022. Although the team, because of COVID-19, its inaugural season was pushed back from 2022 to 2023. Which was a big bummer. We can handle that, though. Yeah, what's one more year, really? And give them enough time to make sure that they can do everything and do it well. We were at Cardinals opening day, the delayed Cardinals opening day because of COVID back in late July. And soon after the Cardinals started playing, they were delayed. They got off to a fun start. Jack Flaherty pitching very well against the Pirates in their opener in late July. But... It was only a week before the Cardinals got hit hard by the coronavirus and it shut them down for 17 days. Sometimes I think back to that time and I think about those players being stuck in the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. having to quarantine, not being able to leave that space for that long of a duration, throwing baseballs against the wall, having people in the organization be sick and, you know, be wondering what's going on. The fact that they were able to rally after that and be able to play. I I know the 2020 Cardinals were not everything that St. Louis Cardinal fans were hoping that they would be, but they really did endure a lot. And I will always be impressed by the resilience that they showed this season. The players who had tested positive drove home from Milwaukee to St. Louis. Cardinals next series was in Chicago and the organization rented 41 vehicles for 41 people to go to Chicago so that the Cardinals could play the White Sox and the Cubs. Everybody drove individually. What a caravan. It's just unbelievable to think that that really happened with Major League Baseball. Absolutely. And you think about the mental state of those guys at that mm-hmm. time. We talked for months about is baseball going to even have a season. There was the the disputes between the Players Association and the owners. And meanwhile, the world is changing irreparably. People are passing away from COVID. People are, are quarantined. They're worried about their families and their friends. People that they know that have pre-existing conditions. A lot of players are opting out. So to think that the Cardinals are going through all the things that we were going through and where your mind is at at that point. And then you have an outbreak on your team. You're quarantined in a hotel room. I'm sure some of them in that moment were thinking, is this worth it this season, Mm -hmm. what we're doing right now? It's interesting. When you think about the most memorable on ice or on field moments this year, Bo Meester was one of them getting sick. Well, having the uh, essentially uh, cardiac event in Anaheim. Then when the Cardinals came back from the 17 days off, they play a doubleheader against the White Sox, and Adam Wainwright is texting the manager, Mike Schilt, and he says, hey, I I want this one. This is mine. And then he comes back in a seven-inning game, first game of a doubleheader. He gives the Cardinals five innings, despite the fact that he hadn't pitched in almost three weeks. 2020 was full of a lot of low lights. The performances that Adam Wainwright was able to peel off for the Cardinals, definitely a highlight. And I think he gave me my highlight for 2020 on his birthday. The 0-2 pitch, fly ball, left field, Carlson over, he has it! Wainwright, 
His 39th birthday, he goes the distance. 23rd complete game of his career. Absolutely remarkable. And a hug from Yadier Molina. Goosebumps everywhere. Everywhere. What a performance from the 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. Incredible. He was incredible, and hopefully we didn't see the last of Adam Wainwright as a Cardinal in 2020. When you think about the Mount Rushmore, Adam Wainwright moments, you, of course, have Uncle Charlie, the Mets, Mm -hmm. Carlos Beltran, of course, the World Series. Is this one on there for you? I would think so, yeah. Because of the circumstances, granted, it wasn't a World Series, but you look at him, the the Beltran one, that one. Boy, he's at the winning 20 games. Yeah. He's had some incredible moments. Yeah, actually, the pitching performance that he delivered in a loss in Game 5 of the NLCS in 2014 was remarkable. He's had some amazing moments. But I think because of who he was at the time, being turning 39, and where the Cardinals were and how much they needed that, the bullpen needed that, I think that is up there. Yeah, the circumstances around it certainly make it more impactful. But I just, when I will look back on Adam Wainwright in his career, that to me is one of the defining moments because it illustrates exactly who he is as a player and mm-hmm. as a person. That That is one of the defining performances of his career for me because he's always thinking about his team. He is a leader many times, but especially when his team needs him. And he's somebody that because of injuries, etc., that people had counted out for a long time. And for him on his 39th birthday to be able to go out there and give the Cardinals that performance when they needed it, I'm always going to remember that. And he led the Cardinals to the playoffs and they play San Diego and actually we, we start the series and I think everybody was feeling, okay, well, even though the Cardinals aren't the best team, they've got a chance here. They could do something. But San Diego turned that around in a big hurry. After the Cardinals won the opener 7-4, to four, Padres win 11-9 to nine in the second game and then shut the Cardinals out on a bullpen day in game three, 4 nothing, And the Padres advance and the Cardinals go home. But at one point, we never thought the Cardinals would get there. No. And so you take it for what it is. Missing 17 days, all things considered, getting to the playoffs was quite an accomplishment by that team. Finishing the season was quite an accomplishment by that team with the schedule. Are you kidding? That's our look back at 2020 and at the decade with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Coming up, stick around, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Feel free to send us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on your 101 ESPN app. You can also email askuncleRandy at 101ESPN.com because Ask Uncle Randy is coming your way next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. have paused all team activities due to positive COVID-19 results within the program. Tonight's game against Duquesne has been postponed and as Tanner told you, the A-10 will communicate additional changes to St. Louis University's upcoming schedule. The official uh, statement from St. Louis University's basketball team due to positive COVID-19 results within the program. 
All activities are paused until further notice. Program activities will resume only after all personnel are cleared via the extensive St. Louis University campus COVID-19 testing procedures and protocols. So no Billiken basketball tonight. Which is such a bummer because this is such a fun team to watch and listen to. But it just seems like in 2020 that this is going to continue to happen to, to yeah. many, if not all teams. Yeah. So you have that. Now we have Ask Uncle Randy. And Michelle, I know that you have some questions that the uh, folks have asked of me, and I'm more than happy to answer. This is a great one, Randy, and I think that you are extremely qualified to answer this. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife is from Dallas, and she roots for the Stars. She wants our newborn son to be raised as a Stars fan, and I, of course, do not. How should I handle this situation? This is a situation that you have to take charge of because once you get into allowing something like that, which is inexcusable, one of my best friends, by the way, lives in Dallas and he's raising his sons who are seven now to be Cardinals and Blues fans. You cannot be a Stars fan. You cannot be a fan of Mike Modano. You can't be a fan of a team that has Jamie Benn. And what happens is, it's kind of like a gateway. You know, like when uh, when little kids, like they'll rob uh, something from a, a three-year-old. They'll take something from a fellow three-year-old, like a toy or something. And those people wind up in prison. All right? This is a gateway to becoming a Cowboy fan. Which would be like the worst thing that could happen for most people. That means you're a fan of Jerry Jones. So if you want to avoid your child winding up in prison, don't allow that child to be a Dallas Stars fan. Great call, Randy. Also, if this person is listening to the show, texting in from the 636 saying their wife is from Dallas, I'm assuming the... Uh, husband is from St. Louis mm-hmm. and that the family lives in St. Louis. You have to go with your hometown team. If you're living in St. Louis, you do not just because your wife is from somewhere else adopt her hometown team. For instance, well, and it's, I, not, it's, it's not their hometown team. They've only been there since the 90s. Right. She, she could as easily be a Minnesota Wild fan. But for instance, my dad is from the St. Louis area. My mom is from New Jersey. I grew up in the St. Louis area. Just because my mom is from New Jersey, I did not grow up a Yankee fan here in St. Louis. But I think the thing is, though, if you are from St. Louis and move elsewhere, you stay. But if you move to St. Louis, you got to be a St. Louis fan. And by all means, don't become a Dallas fan. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Fans. Yeah, fans. <laughs> also, I think at the end of the day, the sweater trumps all, right? If if oh, you're going yeah. to buy gear for your precious, beautiful newborn baby, you don't want it wearing a disgusting-looking logo. Give it one of the best logos in sports in the Blue Note. Well, and because you have a baby, right, you don't want it to be... We don't want it to have one of those bottom five reverse retro sweaters either, which the stars is. Terrible. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, you are a product of your environment. Yep. And this kid's going to grow up in St. Louis surrounded by his buddies that are Blues fans. And that's the key. To answer your question, that's the thing that you have to re- remind your wife of. The, the baby is going to grow up here. And you don't want that baby to be... Uh, and when he gets into childhood and starts going to school... You don't want that baby to be 
bullied by fans of another team. You want that child to grow up in the city that he lives in as a fan of the team that he lives in. Because Blues fans, hey, kids in general, right? It's not just Blues fans. Kids in general, they can be mean. And how about this? Kids are addicted to screens. As mm-hmm. soon as that baby is old enough to be addicted to a screen, you just put that Pat Maroon goal on loop. Right. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> This kid will be dreaming about the blues. Yeah. So we, we've got our answer and we've got the reasoning and what you tell her. So I think we've answered all the questions that this gentleman had. There you go. How about this one? Uh, and I'm going to use some... Uh, Colorful language. Yeah, some... Some substitutes for colorful language. Dear Uncle Randy, mm-hmm. my wife says I need to be nice and talk to her a-hole brother at my daughter's wedding, but he's a super, super D-bag. What do I do? <laughs> okay, this is the this is the old happy wife, happy life situation. Yes, he's a D-bag 365 days a year. You have to deal with him once. Once. It's just that day. And it's unlikely that you're going to be sitting at the same table. So you you go up and you deliver the pleasantries and say, hey, hope all is well. And yes, even though, though he's a super D-bag, you might not like him. But after that, think about this. You internally can laugh at him because he is an a-hole D-bag and you know what he is. He probably doesn't. So that's one person within your family, Mm -hmm. within that culture, that you can spend a day kind of chuckling about and have some stories about. That's true. That's a very positive approach. So, Randy, when I was growing up, uh, for instance, if I really wanted some ice cream and I go to the freezer, I'm ready to pull it out and go to town and it's gone. And my, I saw my dad ate it. I'd be like, how could you eat the ice cream? I wanted the ice cream. You know what he always said? My house, my rules. Anything that is, that is in this house, I don't care if it's yours, I own it. This is my house. Wow. If you are the father at the wedding, you are footing the bill. Therefore, it's your house, your rules. You tell your wife that. Play. It, I, I know, Randy, you're taking the happy wife, happy, happy life approach. Yeah. I'm saying if I'm shelling out all this money that I earned... For this wedding, I don't want to talk to the brother, okay? He's in my house. He can be nice to me. Well, that is one approach, but at the end of the day, here's the thing. If, if it had not been discussed, I think you can play that card. But the fact that it has gone so far as to be discussed, hey, he's my brother, talk to him. Now, you don't have, she said, be nice. You can be passive aggressive. You can say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you, you can be that way. But not be nice, but still talk to him. Just say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I got to go talk to the pastor. Bingo. (laughs) Who's going to say no to that? Okay, Randy from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, what is the appropriate age to switch from going out on New Year's Eve as opposed to staying home? Uh, This year, it would be 18, 19, 20, 21. I would say that the cutoff in a normal scenario without COVID would be 25. Now, I'm not saying you can't go out and have a nice dinner on New Year's Eve with a significant other, but in terms of going out and just getting plastered on New Year's Eve, getting really, really drunk, I'm giving you a few years. I'm giving you 21, 22, 23, 24. By the time you're 25, you should be more grown up than to go out, and and you should understand what happens when you go out and get drunk on New Year's Eve. So I'm going to give you until 25. After that, not acceptable in my book. 
But what about this year? You're, you're in a pandemic. You aren't going out. You're not going out. But as far as drinking more, I would imagine a lot of people just want to drink a lot, go to bed early, and at least They've been doing that the whole year. That's true. You're right. So New Year's Eve is nothing. But yeah, if you want to ring out 2020, you aren't ringing in 2020, 2021. If you want to ring out 2020 by going on a little bit of a bender between the, eh, let's say, tomorrow morning and Friday night, hey, if you're 58, you can do it. All right, one more for and you. And you're going to be miserable, by the way. You're going to have an unbelievable headache. Oh, yeah. You'll definitely be. But you just yeah. lay on the couch and watch football. And you're not going to be able to stay awake. Yeah. Okay, next, last one for you, Randy. And by the way, one other note, please load up on Advil. And what's the... Uh, Gatorade. Gatorade, is that a good uh, I mean, you know, you know, hangover? Well, you know my cure. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's an Italian sub. Mm-hmm. You got to get the salt and vinegar chips. And you need a root beer. Very important here. Very important distinction. It has to be a fountain root beer. You need, you need the ice, preferably those tiny little pellet yep. ice chips. That fountain root beer, Italian sub, it can be hot or cold, whatever your preference. The way I do it, a little bit of extra vinegar on the bread, really soak it up, get the chips in there. Has never failed me. You can do the chips, you can do the sub, but where are you going to find fountain root beer on New Year's Day? You know what? If you order it from uh, a DoorDash or Uber Eats or something okay. like that, you can always put that on there. Okay. Make sure it's a fountain root beer. So this year is a special year, but we're back to normal next year. 25 is your cutoff. All right. You heard it here first. Last one, Randy, from the 573. Randy, I'm a diehard Cardinal fan, but watching baseball is supposed to be entertaining. At what point do I say watching the Cardinals is like watching the news and watching other teams like the Padres or watching a great show like Game of Thrones? The Cardinals are so boring lately. At what point do I just turn off the TV? Now, hey, I'm, uh, it, it, it's been that way for me for several years. The sport in general is boring. And one of the reasons that I have somebody, I was on Jay Delsing's show. I'm going to be on in January. We recorded it and he asked me what my favorite sport is. And I said, well, if you, if you told me I could only have one sport, I would take hockey because there's action all the time. And because you don't have the dead periods like you do in baseball. And there's way too many dead periods in baseball. So if you want to switch to something else, and even if if you want to go and watch Game of Thrones or whatever, I don't advise you turn the channel from our buddy Danny Mac because he makes games so much better. That's right. But if you're watching with the sound down, I can see how you would be bored. And here's what the kids are doing. They're getting up in the morning. They've got a notification on their phone. Here's what happened in the Cardinal game. Two minutes, bing, bang, boom. Sometimes not even two minutes, all the highlights, and you're good. But yes, this game needs some changes, and you are 100% right. It's boring, and if you do walk away, I'm not going to blame you. I'm going to watch because, A, it's our job, but B, like you, I'm I'm a big-time Cardinal fan, but they have to do something to address the quality of their product. Baseball does. I think that's a great comparison. Sometimes you want to check in and see what's going on. So you watch the news. It's not yeah. very entertaining, but you, you want to know what's happening mm-hmm. because it's ingrained in you, so you watch it. The Blues are like Game of Thrones. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of action. There's excitement. They have been so fun to watch over the past couple of years. Yeah, and hockey is never really boring. Um, you have some bad games, but even still, you can have a bad game that's five to two, but stuff is happening at least. Hopefully somebody gets mad and has a fight at the end. 
Maybe that's what baseball needs to do is have more fights. But when I have a 3-2 game and every single run is scored on a solo home run, I don't like that. Nah. I'm not a fan. Hey, we appreciate your questions, and we wish you a happy new year. A- ask Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy wishes you a great 2021. And be, be safe out there. Absolutely. And get the Advil. Danny Mack. Yeah, make sure you get that today. Danny Mack is not going to be doing Billiken basketball tonight. That's a bummer. But he is going to be doing scoops with Danny Mack, and he's going to join us here in studio next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Michelle and Randy and Danny Mac joins us in studio here on 101 ESPN. And this is the last time that we will be together for 2020. Thank God. No doubt. But <laughs> I know there were a lot of not a, not a reflection of you guys. No. Just 2020. Tell us how you really feel about us, Dan. <laughs> Bad. But we just went through 2020 to wrap up the end of the decade. And I, just, I want to see if your highlight is the same as our highlight. What was your highlight sports-wise on the field for 2020? Uh, 2020 on the field would be, I guess I had two, would be, I wasn't listening to you guys because I was talking with our executive producer, Mike Ryder. Okay. So I'm assuming it would have been baseball for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayno Yachty, the, the Wayno complete game would be... That was number one. Yeah. I, I think that was that was just such a great game. Um, you know, if you remember in that weekend... There was a lot going on on the social front of our country, which I think people forget on that Friday night of that weekend. On the baseball front, the the Cardinals were completely beat up because they're, they had gotten beaten up uh, on the Friday night of that series against the Indians, and they were they were out of pitching. And then Saturday was the crazy game that um, they they should have won in extra innings. So then they're mm-hmm. totally out of pitching, and then Wayno goes and, and gives you the complete game. So I think that would have probably been my my favorite game. I think my favorite moment was seeing Yachty get hit number two thousand. I, I think that would have been and and Yachty also the home run on Clemente Day. Yeah, the, that was cool. Those two were really neat moments. I was hoping that he would get hit number two thousand before the season ended, and he did. And I it just. It needed to happen in a Cardinal yep. uniform, and it did. And seeing him get that hit was really cool. Greg Amzinger told us this morning that he thinks now that there are multiple teams still in on Yachty, but he, he's looking at Philly with Dombrowski and Joe Girardi as the spot. You have, a, I think, a veteran front office that maybe understands his value more so than just what sabermetrically other people might look at him uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, that makes some sense. And Real Muto, if he doesn't come back mm-hmm. to Philly, that would make a lot of sense. Um, I still think the Yankees are laying in the weeds. That's what he said, yeah. too. You know, I, I just, if Gary Sanchez, if he doesn't, have you looked like really hard at how bad Gary Sanchez has Unbelievable. been? Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's been terrible well, for um, them. The, uh, behind the plate and on offense. Yes. I mean, defensively, he's got his wards. So you, all of a sudden, you cure those warts by signing Yachty. But don't you kind of think, I, here's the way I'm looking at it. The Yankees are probably laying in the weeds on Real Muto, too. 
Probably, but if they haven't signed LeMahieu yet, where, what are they thinking? Where are they financially? I just wonder mm-hmm. about that. In a normal year, I think LeMahieu's done. And, I agree. And he's not. So are they – I mean, i got to wonder what uh, – for everybody right now, the, the Padres are the only team that's going out there and making these moves and adding this payroll. So their their payroll now, I was doing the numbers, they're just north of 140. And if you're a, a fan or if you're a player and you're watching what's going on with the Cubs – this is the Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. and you're seeing these guys dumping salary. That's all. You Darvish was a salary dump. Yeah. And Contreras, that's the latest that's the next one which from Bob Seguil. Yeah, I said that yesterday yep. to you guys. I said, I think Contreras is the next guy. You're, th- you're sitting there going, holy smokes. What is going on here? Well, they did have losses, financial losses of biblical, biblical. proportions. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's. Um, I'm going to play a soundbite coming up in the show with David Kaplan, and he talks about how bad they have, um, they're on the hook financially for all the different things that they've got going on with Wrigley Field and the surrounding area. It's, it's, they are on the hook for a ton of money, a ton, not just payroll, but a ton of money. It's, it's, it's interesting. So they're, they're going to be dumping a lot of salary if they can. I, I guess Bryant would be another one. Baez would be another one. Obviously Contreras. Um, I don't know if they do it with Rizzo, but he's kind of the face in, of that turnaround and, I, we'll see if that if that goes that way. Contreras would be another one, and and they rebuild. Interesting. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that the Taco Bell that they bought across the street that they tore down, I McDonald's think was, there too. Yeah, that's still there. I think, right? I think. I think the Taco Bell was the top selling Taco Bell in the country, and actually, <laughs> customers came and they had like uh, they had a ceremony when that Taco Bell closed because the people loved it so much. But can you imagine if you have the top top selling Taco Bell in the country and you want to buy it to turn it into part of your hotel or something, I'll bet you that Taco Bell costs them a few bucks. Probably. Mm-hmm. I was very sad to see the Eat Right close. Yeah, that oh, is. Yeah. Very so sad. many very sad. iconic things in St. Louis are going by the wayside. It really is a bummer. And uh, for fans, I don't know, did you guys make the announcement that the slew game tonight has been canceled? Yeah, slew game has been canceled. Um, I don't know what that means then if the city, maybe you guys know this, do you, so do you have to shut down for 14 days your activities? I'm or, not sure. I think the A-10 is 10. The city is 14, I believe, within the limits so that puts them out tonight's game and then like three or four others. I got to look specifically with their schedule. But I talked to Lisa Stone yesterday. I actually conducted the interview with her. They've had two shutdowns, two quarantines. And the basic premise of the interview was not so much like what your team is about. You know, are you going to have a good team? How are your kids going to come back? Like, how are they? How have they been mentally? Mm-hmm. Not physically, but mentally. And that's really the interesting part of what is going on with a lot of these programs is how the kids come back. Of she said, you know, Dan, we we got some of these kids that have just been in their rooms by themselves for days. That I mean, think about that. That is hard to do for teenage kids. That was one of the reasons that Eli Drinkwitz wanted to send his kids home for Christmas. And one of the reasons they don't have a bowl game now is because he's concerned first and foremost about their health and their mental health. Yeah, she said the mental aspect of this. She said we've we've had our team psychologists, things of that nature, our kids meeting with them. You know, it's 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 going to be really interesting, I guess, with another surge. You would anticipate with the holidays of college basketball trying to get through this in the next month. Yeah. I, they will because they got to get to the tournament for the money. But mm-hmm. 
it's going to be really touch and go. And by the way, Duquesne had only played oh, two games gosh. coming in, right? Yeah, they they had only played two, and they were a really much improved team, um, and kind of like slew on the uptick, upswing of of their program. Um, so yeah, I mean it's uh, it's touch and go with all these programs right now. Scary. Hopefully we can get sports going, and hopefully we'll have hockey on January thirteenth. Yeah, no kidding. Nine thirty for the opener. Nine thirty on the uh, on the thirteenth against Colorado. Against, yeah, the Abs. I'll, I'll take late starts rather than no starts. Are you going to stay up to the end of it though? I'm really going to try. <laughs> I am too. I'm going to be a gamer. Sure. On that first night, yeah, yeah, it's the opener. Second night. Mm. <laughs> Debatable. I think the second night might be a weekend. I hope. Oh, there you go. Sleep or, in the or next day. Hopefully, a seven o'clock game or something like is it that. Thir- what's the thirteenth? Is that a that's a Tuesday? I think Tuesday. I'm not positive about that. Yeah, you'll you'll stay up, Randall. Six, six, five, seven, eight, oh. Yeah, I will. It's a wet. It's a Wednesday. 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 Okay. All right. So then the second game would be a Friday. So that's mm-hmm. no problem at all. Yeah, you'll be up. Yeah. A great job by our producer engineer Tanner Hendrickson. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you guys as well. And Michelle, we will not see you tomorrow or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. So Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year you, to you. You going to party? You going to just get hammered? No. Hammered <laughs> drunk? I am not. I am not. Okay. I'll I'll be hydrated. <laughs> But no, not getting hammered okay, drunk this good. year. There's nothing to celebrate. <laughs> I just want 2020 to slip away quietly. Yeah, slither out the door. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to the show, Daniel. I have uh, Brian Walton, a lot of baseball talk, mm-hmm. kind of review of the season, and also a look at his top five prospects in the Cardinal system. Can't wait for that. All right. And for all of us, we wish everybody a happy new year. Thank you very much for being with us through some tough times. Didn't always have sports in 2020. Hopefully 2021 will be a lot better, but enjoy this weekend, and we will see you next year. Have a great New Year's, everyone. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.